always be recording, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting me plugged in here um, to the charger here so this doesn't suck my battery dry and then I have to go off the phone. Alright, I think we should be solid. Yes, we got power. Cause we're solid. Solid <laughs> as a You ever heard of Mad Pig Custom? No. Okay. Um, they are the new wrecking ball in the industry for custom lever guns. Um, Mad Pig. And Mad Pig Customs. Okay. If you're in the lever guns, um, I own every single custom lever guns rifles um, that's notable. And he is leaps and bounds above everybody. Um, anyway, us. um, yeah. I got to be, I got to be friends with the guy and, uh, we were doing a collaboration. Um, we're doing uh 4570 ammo in full power and subsonic. And then we're doing full power 3030 and subsonic 3030. Um, you know, so the labels on the box say, you know, defiant munitions and then, you know, mad pig customs, we're doing mad pig customs loads and stuff, but he does. What he did was he took, pretty much took an AR and a lever gun. They had sex and then had one of his guns. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's literally He's like... He's got a website? Yeah. Yep. It's a tactical uh, tactical uh, lever gun. Um, he cuts the barrels down to 14.5. You can either suppress them or do whatever and... Um, they put a Midwest Industries uh, rail on it, dude. It, I've got so one lever cool. gun. Oh, those are cool. I'm gonna share dude, my they're screen. They're so cool. We're recording now, so I'm gonna share yeah, this you, with the uh, leadheads here. Yeah. Um, are we rolling now? Yeah, we're rolling. Oh, okay. There um, it is. Yeah. Um, if you want sick. me to. Dude, they're so sick. So the stock um, is made by Chisel. That's a new company. They just released the stocks. Um, and it's just literally taking the lever gun to new heights that it's never been. Um, and then that's the old Midwest rail. Uh, the new Midwest rail is like totally kick-ass. Um but, um, but yeah, if you want me to make an introduction, uh, let me know. He, Steve, the owner at Mad Pig is super cool, dude. Um, yeah, absolutely. These are, these are really cool. I've been seeing more, cool. more lever action. Somebody's been pushing it. And I think, uh, was it Costas or Costa, whatever his name is that did yep. a, a lever yep. tactical class so, or something? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Um, and actually Costa pushes mad pig customs guns oh he does okay yep yep those are the guns he shoots um, that is so yeah sick I, yeah Love i can that. see yeah. why they're gorgeous guns yeah so yeah he calls them the thumper so i have a thumper in 4570 and 3030 and they're either so cool oh, you got a 4570 sweet yeah 
So Henry actually, I got packages. In, what? So does he take an existing one and can convert it to this, or did he just he sells them this way? Yeah. Yeah. So he takes a Marlin donor um, gun and converts them. Um, there's there's a considerable amount of work that he does to them to the actions and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Puts new levers on them, his own design levers and triggers and everything. And then uh, he also had is doing Henry's as well because Henry has made leaps and bounds in the, uh, into their guns. Um, but yeah, Marlin is probably the most popular. That one looks integrally suppressed. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at that. It's huge. It's probably that's an Osprey. 25. Yeah. That's yeah, a, that's a, a silencer co Osprey. And it looks like it's chambered in Fort. like, well, sorry, go Pete. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It's it's probably a forty five seventy because those cans are gigantic. Yeah. So. So yeah. Very cool. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, well, there it's you a go. Cool thing man, I mad pig. After uh, digging it. Yeah, I'll I'll make an email introduction. Yeah, that'd um, be if cool. If you want after this, and like I said, Steve is a cool dude. Awesome. So, the problem is now is finding you know Marlin Marlin lever guns anywhere to use as a donor. Because yeah. it's not well, easy. You get Marlins, you get Henry's. I guess he could probably pretty much do any lever gun, I would think. So, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll I, get in touch yeah. with him and maybe we'll get him on the show. Um, so, Leadheads, oh, yeah, you are hearing us talk about lever guns. That's not the topic today, but <laughs> it's a good topic anytime we're talking about guns. So, welcome back to the Talking Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Lefty. And uh, we got a great show lined up for you today. If you've been watching our social media, you know that we're going to be talking about bullets versus architecture. And we're going to have Ken Allen with Ken Allen Training uh, joining us up there in Massachusetts. He uh, was on the last AK Corner. Um, if you Correction get, left in uh, New Hampshire. Or New Hampshire. I'm sorry. He's up in yeah, New Hampshire. He's, he's not a masshole. He's not a masshole. That's right. <laughs> I get them all confused. They're all there. They're all lumped up there together, you know, like a Klingon off a dog's ass. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be joining us uh, here a little bit. The voices that you hear now um, were also on the AK Corner last episode, right? Pete, were you on last episode or the episode before that? I may have been the one before that. Might have been the one before that. Um, but joining me is Pete Pye with Defiant Munitions, uh, regular to the show. I think it's like your third or fourth appearance now. Yeah, I believe this would be third. We thought, uh, having a ammo manufacturer during this discussion would be key. And then of course we always got to have a mad scientist in the building. And for that, we always bring in old reliable Brian Keeney with Occam Defense. Brian, welcome in. As you can see, I have my 11th tinfoil hat added on, given the, the latest news. 10 was not enough. <laughs> you think we're being hacked? Uh, you mean our brains being hacked? Our, Absolutely. Our brains and our, our conversations and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a new, well, as, as, uh, as Sleepy Joe likes to say, we got a new world order. So There you go. Who knows? Yeah. So, uh, guys, appreciate you joining us. Um, before we get into talking about the the ballistics uh, against different building materials with Ken, you know, I always like to thank our sponsors. Got to thank those that make this show possible. 
So when you get a chance, let heads go and show them some love. Mission First Tactical. Go to missionfirsttactical.com. Am I still sharing my screen? I think I am. I can just go here right now. If you guys go to Mission First Tactical, go to their website, use the code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 20% off. They have magazines, they've got holsters, or not magazines, they've got magazine holders, they've got holsters, they've got accessories for your AR-15. They used to have AK stuff, Brian. You know, I know you're into the, the AKs. Their grips are really good. I've got some of their grips. I like their grips a lot. Well, I have yet to see these. I'd love to try them out. Yeah, so I don't know if they're still uh, making these or not. They've got them on their website, so I'd assume the that they're still doing those on the, the grips. But they're going to look into doing like furniture and stuff like they do for the AR-15. They've got magazines. They've got four-ins. They've got... Oh, you got you to gotta slide back to that uh, Wolverines one up there. Oh, did you like that one? Oh, man. Or was that one more up, maybe? There it is. This one? That one is awesome. So that's the great thing about it is you can get their 30-round AR mags, and you can have custom things printed on it, just like we're looking at right here. If you've got a design you want to send into them, they can plop it on your magazine, or they've got these pre-designed ones that you can just go ahead and order from them, uh, like the Wolverines. You know, I need need to get some Defiant Munition ones done. Yeah, you do. I think we can arrange that. We'll... We'll get Dave uh, and you on a phone call together, and we'll make that happen, definitely. Yeah. Whose mags do they use, or are they theirs? These, these are theirs. They're their own custom oh, okay. design magazines, 30-round magazines. Oh, wow. okay. Really good mags. I like them. I use them a lot. Awesome. And then they've got AR-10 mags as well. So you could, for your 308s, cool. they make those as well. Uh, but, yeah, go check them out, Mission First Tactical. And then, of course, Keltec. And I've talked about it. They have given us a discount code at Caltech. You can use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 15% off anything in their their pro shop here. Not their guns, but their their apparel. Like I said, telling you a couple episodes back, they do still make the flashlights. And I've got that one, the CL48. I've got like three or four of those. I've got them in my cars, got them in my backpacks, my EDC carry bags. They just make great um, lightweight light sources there uh and the Keltec folding knife this is something i think might be new to them i've got a larger version of this it was a bayonet style it says it's out of stock 110 bucks but i do have one i don't have it handy i don't think but those are kind of cool but you can also get their shirts their hats like i've got on right here Keltec hat uh, get 15 percent off use the code leadhead uh, and then, of course, seal one for all your gun cleaning, lubrication, and corrosive protection needs. You go to seal one. They've got uh, these pre-made-up kits for your pistols, for your rifles, uh, the pre-soaked bore patches. You tell them what caliber you need, uh, and they will, they've got a package for it. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 25% off anything at seal one. And they've got some cool swag, too, hats and shirts and and things like that. And we're going to be giving away one of their packets today to one of you leadheads that participated in our listener questions on social meds. So there you go. Go show those guys some love. And um, Brian, Occam Defense Solutions, of course, our AK Corner. We did AK Corner 
last episode, uh, I think it was previous to this one, uh, it was a good one. Enjoyed it. And I think that was your first return, right? Yes, it was. Um, still still sort of touch and go with uh, in the Keeney household. Wife's been ill, but um, we're, we're on a slow road to recovery, which is great. Happy to be on it. So uh, thanks to all the leadheads out there who uh, sent her well wishes. Those meant a lot. And you didn't get a chance to tell us all the, the new things that you guys have going on there. You had to jump off a little sooner. So you want to run through that real quick? What's new and exciting at Occam Defense? Yeah, we um, – let's see. Our rollout of the gas blocks, adjustable gas blocks um, that are Merck compatible, but also AKM and AK74 compatible, um, those have been delayed through logistics problems. However, I have it on good authority. We'll be shipping those next week, which is uh, very exciting. We have our PH2 next-gen sites coming out. Um, there are a, a slight twist on our first model that's um, AR-style peep sites um, for the AK. Um, and uh, we are midway through the machining programming. So, uh for those that have pre-ordered, we're we're pretty well on track here, and um, still still shooting for May first for first shipment. Okay. And um, so, what's different in this yeah. this generation than your PH ones? Thank you for reminding me. Um, we've got instead of four diopters, we're doing the biggest one and the smallest one for holes, and then there's a medium. There's only one medium now, and then there's a battle notch. So for those that like the the battle notch kind of view of a more standard AKM. This will be a good fit for them. And also the front sight post is now AR-15 compatible. So you oh, can sweet. take your favorite excess or Trigicon front sight with Tritium in it and swap it in. Um, or if you have another one like a narrow pin or a ball. Mm -hmm. um, apparently there's some that are a circle that work really, really well where you put a circle and a circle together. So um, that sort of uh, I haven't tried that yet. Is that now. sounds interesting. Yeah, one of our students brought it to me, and I hadn't heard of it, and it sounds brilliant. So uh, I'm likewise interested. Uh, okay. But our uh, our two guests here might have some some experience with that and can enlighten us. Possibly, possibly. Pete, you got any experience with the the uh, circle front optic? No, I don't. No, I, I don't. I was going to look those up. I never even heard of them. Very cool. And, then, of course, you guys can go to OccamDefense.com and uh, see all the products that uh, Brian's offering now. He's coming out with new stuff every week, it seems like. you got something new coming out. And uh, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> it, it, no, no. <laughs> for us. No, maybe does, for it, you, but it, not for us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just adds to your headaches and woes, right? Yeah, well, it's awful fun making new stuff. It's just, it's it's crazy how much it takes to put out one product. Like the number, the amount of documentation you need to put together, the processes, the buckets for carrying the stuff around. Like everything we make is so, so many different shapes that I've had. I've just broken down and I've started making crates for us to carry stuff around the shop with, and that's been working really good. But. I never thought that making boxes to hold our parts would be part <laughs> part of my job description. <laughs> Got to have something to put them in, right? Yeah, there it is. Well, we're glad to have Hello, you back for, for two episodes in a row, and uh, and there's Ken. Speak, and there's Ken. Speak of the devil, not hey, from gentlemen. 
Not from Massachusetts, but from New Hampshire. Thank good. <laughs> Brian corrected me corrected me earlier. Um, yeah, Marty tried to say you were a masshole, and I, I oh I man, say, yeah, right. It's fighting Them's words, fighting words, brother. Right. <laughs> I was quickly corrected, but uh, welcome in. We're excited to to have you back for another episode. You also were on the past episode of the AK Corner. Yes, sir. Uh, and I think we might have discussed doing exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about some ballistics data that you're going to share with our listeners. That's, uh, that's pretty important, and that's going to get us into uh, our jack wagon train. We've got two jack wagons that I want to take care of, or one jack wagon and one hero. It's going to play into what we're going to be talking about, and these come to us from listeners Aura and Pierce, the, uh, the two nuts that go back and forth on social media uh, whenever they make posts on one another, so they have nominated and ja- uh, Gunny is bringing in the jack wagon train as I'm finding the article here. Hey, Ralph, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. Uh, constitutional carry is becoming, it seems to be a thing that's, that's becoming more popular these days in, in states. So more and more states are, are passing the constitutional carry. Of course, Tennessee did it. I'm here in Tennessee, and it's probably one of the the worst constitutional carry <laughs> laws that has ever been passed. I think it barely can be considered that, but uh, they did pass one here in Tennessee. But before we get into that, the jack wagon that I want to talk about is Washington. So Washington has cracked new gun laws on high-capacity ammo magazine, and they're tightening their open carry rules. This is Olympia, Washington, Washington State. Governor Jay... Inslee signed a package of bills Wednesday tightening the state's gun laws, including a measure that bans the manufacture, distribution, and sale of firearm magazines that hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. So this puts Washington up there with California and New Jersey in their restrictive magazine capacity laws. I'm very much forward to erecting the wall between Washington and Idaho. I'm unfortunately (laughs) five minutes from the Washington border. Well, hopefully, and, uh, yeah. so like if, if you want to go to Costco, you're going to Washington oh, and, damn. uh, I'm, I'm fine with an immigration checkpoint between the States. I, <laughs> I will give up my Costco to not have to have. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> well, here is governor Inslee's statement says we are willing, we are not willing to accept gun violence as a normal part of life in the state of Washington. And they think by limiting magazine capacity, they're doing something great there. Obviously, he's a Democrat, said that a news conference in Capitol State reception room where he's uh, surrounded by lawmakers and other supporters of the new law. So get this. The Capitol was closed to the public several hours uh, before and after the bill signing. So they knew this was going to be unpopular, (laughs) so they set up measures to insulate themselves and protect themselves from any protest uh, about this. Isn't it funny how that works? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the law says violations would be a gross misdemeanor, which in Washington is punishable by up to 364 days in county jail, a maximum fine of up to $5,000 or both if you are caught with a 
magazine that will hold more than 10 rounds. So jack wagons, there's our jack wagons. And to counter that, Alabama, Indiana, and Ohio join constitutional carry states. So these are our heroes. Yes. Winners. This episode. Uh, The governors in Alabama, Indiana, and Ohio signed constitutional carry measures into law this month, beginning January 1st, 2023, July 1st, 2022, and June 12th, 2022, respectively. Residents who can legally own a firearm will be able to carry a concealed handgun within their state of residence while adhering to their local, state, and federal ordinances. Without a one thing, conceal carry. Sorry, carry. yeah, go ahead. One one thing that uh, should bring everybody a bunch of joy is that Moms Demand Action and Newtown have started posting their L's in uh, in fundraising. So they're actually publishing. They're sending out emails talking about all of their losses, which are huge right now. And uh, I've taken great enjoyment at reading those. <laughs> uh, so yes. yeah. Uh, to all you folks out there against uh, constitutional rights, like uh, keeping and defending yourself with arms. Um, Yeah, have a nice fucking day. There you go. Uh, It says, it goes on to say here, it says, any right requiring a fee or government permission slip isn't much of a right at all, says uh, Jason Quimmett of the NRAILA executive director. That's why the NRA worked tirelessly with state leaders, legislators to pass the landmark legislation in Ohio. The NRA commends Governor DeWine for signing this important piece of legislation that protects Second Amendment rights uh, of all uh, law-abiding Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. I so, think Christy Noam just in South Dakota just signed one into repealing all CCW fees for the same reason, which yep, is awesome. Did. Yeah. Like yeah, good on you. Well, we they, talked about this. We talked about this in a, a past episode, but uh, it's illegal to, I guess, charge a fee or a tax for a constitutional right. You're not supposed to it's, be able to do that. Uh, no, I, I don't believe so, and that is what uh, Chrissy Nome has been fighting. Yeah. So it's it's illegal for them to do that to begin with, you know. It's uh, they shouldn't be able to charge a fee or make us buy a license anyway. So it's nice that somebody has seen that, and it seems like these Absolutely. states are following suit. There's something like 26 states that have done this or in the process of doing it, and I believe Georgia might be also in the process of doing this. I well, think and- they are. And, and and I think we all agree all gun laws and all permits are are illegal under the Constitution. So it's not like we're saying we approve of this stuff. We're just we'll take the wins where we can get yeah, them. We're just saying it's I'm about time. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh yeah yeah I tell you we we have South Dakota has one of the you know just she's just absolutely awesome, um, and she is uh, fighting her you know butt off to. Uh, to uh, get this stuff, you know, taken care of. So it's been pretty great. Says with the addition of Alabama, Indiana, and Ohio, there are now 24 states with constitutional carry. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, 
North Dakota. <laughs> you, you, you're saying it like a New Yorker, but we won't hold it against you because we know you're yeah. trying your best. Uh, I'm from Tennessee, so that's the that's my best <laughs> New Hampshire. Am I wrong, Ken? No, that's you're cute. right. Um, those, those that actually have the accent in New Hampshire say it, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a Canadian. Well, that's where it comes from is the French-Canadian influence. Yeah. Is that why you say cheers all the time? That's actually part of my, my English background. I, I, uh, I lived in England for a while, and um, I still have adopted family there. So, okay. Well, yeah, cheers. It's part, of, it's part of me. So North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, which, again, is, is barely a constitutional carry law, Texas, yeah. Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, and Wyoming also allow law-abiding individuals to carry a concealed handgun without a government-issued permit. So there you go. I'm glad to see that. So almost half uh, of the states, and there's more coming. There are more that are working on it. So very good. Hey, Leadheads. White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated bore-specific patches called seal skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. And there's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal 1 CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal 1 CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You'll want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes, then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings. So I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot just normal usage before the Seal One CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet. And after that first cleaning, you will notice a difference. And with each successive cleaning, you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean. Seal One CLP Plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such. You will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. And with the Seal One CLP Plus, the carbon does not build up. Seal One CLP Plus is safe on all metals, plastics, composites, polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one and done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code LEADHEAD for a 25% off discount. Those are our jack wagons and our heroes. Do you guys have any any jack wagons or heroes that you want to throw in real quick? <laughs> oh, somebody's laughing there. I know we could probably go all day on our jack wagon train, but we've got a lot of good information from Ken that we want to talk about. And I thought these, these were good jack wagons to kind of tie into our conversation that we're going to have uh, with Ken and Brian and Pete uh, about being responsible for your bullet, knowing the environment that you're in, 
because with owning a firearm comes great responsibility. And this is one of the things that you need to consider is the path that your bullet's going to take after you fire it and everything that it's going to possibly hit. Um, so with that, we'd like to introduce Ken Allen with Ken Allen Training. Uh, and Ken, just give a, a quick background um, that kind of qualifies you for this, for our listeners who don't aren't familiar with you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, Marty. Um, I've been an instructor for more years than I can remember at this point. Um, I've instructed everything from uh, open water sea kayaking to wilderness first aid to gunning. And for the last 20 years of my life, I've been concentrating mostly in the gunning platforms. Um, I had been lucky enough to be selected to work at the Six Hour Academy, and I worked for them for eight and a half years. Um, they sent me across the country. I worked locally in New Hampshire quite a bit, and sometimes out of the country, um, teaching qualified civilians and law enforcement personnel and some mill personnel and, and agency members and government members from our country and, and others under contract with them. Um, I learned a tremendous amount while I was working with them. Uh, the professional aspect of, of working in an academy at that level is, is tremendous, and I will always appreciate that. And uh, I decided to go out on my own and, and take it on the road. So I am now a, a travel trainer. I do travel across the United States. I've been doing it since uh, 2016. And, uh, you know, also teaching out of, out of New England, mostly in New Hampshire, but I'll, I'll travel to wherever there's good range and good people that, that want to participate and learn. Um, I concentrate mostly on our, on our qualified civilians and bringing them up to speed on um, their, let's say, their abilities for self-defense, whether it's self-defense of themselves, families, others, uh, community if necessary. And when I mean that, I'm, I'm speaking to when we have natural physical disasters such as hurricanes and uh, flooding, tornadoes, and people need to uh, protect their neighborhoods. We, we've seen instances of that. So we help folks with that and in that realm. We also teach um, some aspects of competition, um, general recreation shooting. Uh, we'll, we'll go from the basic beginner that knows absolutely nothing about a firearm uh, right up to those that know quite a bit and uh, do tier one work. And that's actually where my background comes in from my studies. I was very fortunate uh, early on to be taught by um, a few tier one personnel from, from different places. Um, many of which people will know, but I'll, I'll leave them nameless at the moment. Um, but just be it said, I spent a good bit of time with them, training with them, uh, absorbing. And then in typical fashion of the way that I work, uh, I go ahead and I absorb the best of the best. And then I boil that down to a very simplistic platform to then translate to others. And I do so in multiple ways for different listening and, and learning types. So um, that's that's the quick gist of it. And you also have, don't you have a law enforcement background? Do, yep. I, I do work for an agency and, and that is a, a part-time aspect of what I do. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then Pete, you're going to have to unmute yourself. Um, Pete, we've talked about your background uh, before on past episodes, but go ahead and, and talk about your background as well with uh, SWAT. Yeah, I was a police officer um, for 14 years and uh did some swat work for a little bit and uh, yeah that's it that's it <laughs> <laughs> um 
So yeah, we. Uh, so you got like 15 right. years on on uh, with LE experience. You were on a SWAT team. So some of the things that probably a, the majority of things we're going to be talking about, um, you've had firsthand experience with. With more and more firearm owners that uh, that are out there, especially new firearm owners, uh, a lot of our listeners are LE military, um, and I think this topic is really going to uh, relate. The research that Ken has started doing in taking different calibers and showing you the effect that they have on different surfaces, different building uh, surfaces, structures, and things like that uh, is going to be a real eye-opener. And uh, as as Ken gets in and starts talking about this, this research that he's been doing and is going to continue to do, uh, he's just kind of getting started with it. Brian and Pete, feel free to chime in uh, with questions or comments as, as he's going through this. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ken. And uh, Ken, just kind of give us an overview of this, this research that you've been doing at your facilities. Thanks, Marty. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks, Pete and Brian, for, for coming in and uh, being part of this conversation. Uh, Pete, really great to meet you finally. Heard a lot yeah, about like, you. Likewise. It's, Same here. It's a pleasure, sir. Um, so like everything else I do when I'm instructing, I view this as an open conversation. Um, I am never here to just lay down information or, or track down on um, any given topic. It's, it's really an open, open-ended conversation the, and the ability for others to chime in is, is just as important as everything that I'm saying, if not more so in certain cases. So please, guys, if you have stuff to add or questions that are going to trigger other, other thoughts, please just bring it on in. But where this started, um, for many years, as as a you know a, a learning tactician, um, an instructor, I have always questioned the why and the what's, where things come from, why they're working such and such, um, why they don't, and when it comes to the basics of ballistics, uh, you could get together with folks that could be very very heady and very nerdy on that subject, and that I'm not going to get into. Um, that is not my forte. Um, I know enough to be dangerous, so to speak, but what we're talking about is the actual realistic data of launching a projectile from any given firearm and the results of that projectile um, meeting other surfaces. And those surfaces that we're particularly interested in are those in and around a home environment, an office environment, a place of worship environment, um, a box store um, pretty much our, our exterior, interior environments that we spend our lives in. Um, that is not uh, to exclude vehicles. That's something we actually do a fair amount of work and study with as well. And we can certainly get into that topic. Um, because of the depth and breadth of the amount of data that we've been collecting since 2017 uh, related to these different surfaces and materials, I'm probably going to limit um, some of the more in-depth conversation to uh, interior, exterior walls um, so that we can more or less look at the the general civilian um, and or off-duty or on-duty law enforcement officer and how those projectiles that they may be launching could potentially um, affect the atmosphere surrounding them. So that exterior environment beyond where the projectile is intended to go, um, whether it be intentional or unintentional, um, we'll, we'll speak to that a bit. So for now, I'll just kind of lay out the, the, the avenue, and that would be we are looking at a 90-degree angle 
Um, so straight on with um, up to four walls, fully constructed, starting on an interior wall. So we have gypsum wallboard, two by six wood construction with studding on centers as normal building code for interior architecture in the Northeast, which is um, for those that are in other areas would probably be a bit stronger, uh, closer on center than other areas because of snow load and uh, hurricane load on roofs. Um, so all those things are tied together. So again, we have gypsum wallboard, uh, two by six construction wood frame, uh, fully insulated. So a lot of homes don't actually have full insulation between the walls, mm -hmm. but in order to give the the most bang for the buck and uh, see what kind of uh, surfaces we were passing through and collecting, we went ahead and insulated all walls. Um, second layer would have been gypsum, gypsum wallboard as well. So standard sheetrock, one half inch on both sides. Um, we did that three times over. So in other words, three of those interior walls fully constructed. And then the exterior wall would have had gypsum wallboard on the what would be the interior side, fully studded, two by six construction, fully insulated. On the back side, it would be sheathed with uh, one inch, uh, sorry, one and a half inch plywood. Um, so standard sheathing and then a vapor waterproof barrier, Tyvek or otherwise. And then beyond that, um, we've, we've done several different studies, one that included um, standard cedar shake shingling. Um, so the layers of single shake cedars, uh, which is quite common in some parts of the country, including Northeast. And also we used a composite concrete wallboard. So we cover several aspects and ranges of building types on the exteriors with that. And just a spoiler alert, when it does penetrate the exterior, it doesn't matter what that exterior is covered with, it just simply keeps going. So um, we'll, we'll speak to both types and where- so you're talking like die. brick or uh, siding or whatever it may be? Yeah, so we didn't bother dealing with any, um, any vinyl siding or any other lightweight composite siding because it literally doesn't stop anything. A BB gun will pass through it. Um, <laughs> and we did not do brick. So one thing we have not covered yet, but we will be in the future, is masonry construction. We have gone into masonry walls. So those that are, are questioning whether or not a masonry wall in typical masonry construction, such as Q block, uh, standard standard concrete block, will that stop and or uh, deter projectiles? We did do some of that, but we haven't done full-blown construction. So um, I'm just kind of doing that a disclaimer so so people understand the difference. Sure. So I'm talking full-blown construction, you know, on the interior. Are, of the you throwing, are you throwing electrical and pipes and things in there as well? Not yet, but that is a that is another step forward. Okay. Um, you know, as you and I have spoken about, um, we are continuing these studies, and in order to get into that depth and breadth, um, we're going to be seeking some sponsorship to help us with uh, materials and cost of doing this, as well as potentially yeah, an indoor location to do the studies. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, a lot more being planned, and um, for those out there listening. If you do have interest in what your projectile of choice um, may do, um, we are certainly open to listening. And if you have ammunition, Pete, that you want to send uh, to be tested, we're more than happy to do that. Same thing with firearms. If you have a specific firearm that you're questioning uh, barrel length action type and you want us to look at that and it's something that we don't presently have available, we would certainly be interested in either having somebody come here with that um, and or providing to local FFL, and then we'll work with the materials from there. 
So um, always open nice. to other avenues. Good. Um, so you're, yeah, man. you've been so, you've been doing ahead. these studies in New Hampshire. That is correct. Uh, at your facilities. So this is an outdoor facility that you're that you're doing these testing in. So talk about talk about your environment conditions that you're you're working in during these tests. So so far we've done three different studies, three different classes um, related to ballistics and materials. And they have been outdoors, as you just said. Um, the range um, has uh, full berms. Uh, you know, exterior berm to the back would be probably in excess of almost 20 feet in height. Uh, the surface area is covered in uh, sand mostly. Um, I would say very fine, loose gravel in other places, but then coated in sand. And uh, other places there might be some... Uh, some hardened dirt, but mostly a sand uh, surface on the bottom. Why that's important is a lot of these projectiles would deviate in a downward trajectory and end up meeting what would be the floor. Um, and then that surface, and depending upon the um, lubricity of that surface and, and also the density of that surface, where the projectile then continues its trajectory. In our case, being sand, um, it has been semi-absorbed, but redirected into that back berm. So um, if you translate that into a street environment, we're talking about uh, bituminous concrete or asphalt or standard concrete um, and or hard dirt, whatever your particular environment, um, uh, environment has. Um, and those would be more quote unquote reflective materials. Mm -hmm. So they would be less likely to absorb as much of that trajectory and um, energy that's left and probably redirect that round with more force. So we are still seeing rounds redirected with a tremendous amount of force where they didn't pass through the fourth wall. Um, but be it, be it known that um, there's still a fair amount of energy behind those rounds as they travel and, and deviate in trajectory. Um, as far as environment, so a lot of the studies that we do for other materials, and this has nothing to do with the ballistics and the material study, but when we're helping out uh, firearms companies or gear companies um, look at their products, we are a 24-7, 12-month-out-of-the-year program. I call it training for all conditions because we literally are practicing in all conditions for all conditions. And that also includes when we're doing travel training, um, you know, places that we visit and have worked in in the past have been Florida, Texas, Illinois and some other states. So there's a wide variety of climatic and environmental influence that changes certain aspects of these things. Um, where I am here in New Hampshire, uh, these tests have usually occurred in the summer or fall, um, sometimes with rain, sometimes without. We have not done it in a winter condition, which would make some of the materials uh, mildly more fragile. Um, only because they aren't intended to be in a unheated condition, mm -hmm. um, specifically some of that gypsum wallboard. Yeah. Not to be said that you could have an unheated home, that uh, especially as a, an LE practitioner you might walk into and, and discharge around, in which case that more fragile uh, surface would be you know, important to know how that works. So we will Doing be a bust on a crack house or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, abs yeah. absolutely. Um, Trailer park. Actually, here in New Hampshire, um, you know, we have more of a, a problem with uh, methamphetamines and the and the manufacturing of such. Um, Same here. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rapid. It's rampant. Yeah, here in Tennessee too. So, yeah, it's it's so it's easy. all over I mean, the country. 
pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary, scary stuff. But you you um you wanted to do these studies. I think we were talking, you know, before doing the show is you know, you specifically were doing these uh, studies for law enforcement information. That that's correct. And also uh, civilians. Um, the the primary the primary audience was for law enforcement because the opportunity for them to discharge around and have a pass through of soft matter, meaning a, a human mm-hmm. human target or or dog, whatever the case may be, and having a pass through and then going into um, the surrounding environment materials is much greater than it would be for the civilian counterpart. However, I see just as much value, and I always yes. put just as much value in the civilian counterpart. Um, it's just that the you know the, the ratio is going to be higher with with law enforcement. Oh, absolutely, um, and that make you know that makes perfect sense. But as we see in the civilian market, what what happens with the LE usually translates to the civilian market as well. It can be just as useful and helpful. It absolutely does. And um, we do invite local law enforcement officers to join us so that they can learn firsthand and see firsthand because there's nothing like reading information or having me, you know, dictate it out. Um, But when you actually see it yourself, um, minds are blown, uh, eyes are opened. And those officers then take that experience back to other officers and share it. And that is really why I started doing this so that they would have in their own mind's eye, an understanding of what happens when you discharge your firearm and it either A, does not hit the intended target or B, doesn't hit the intended target, but that trajectory continues because of the energy. And then what is the consequences with the background? Um, We've all read and heard the stories of uh, those consequences and it's, it's hard. It's part of the job, unfortunately. And um, those those men and women out there have to live with that, and that's a horrible thing. But if you have a little bit of this information, sometimes it might change your thought pattern in looking at your background if they have that opportunity during that event. Well, it could give them the opportunity to plan ahead of time, too. And if they're going into, let's say, you know, they're going into a raid, it's just like a trailer park or a subdivision, then they, you know, they have the understanding that, you know, my bullet has the potential of going this direction and hitting these other houses that are, you know, nearby. So when they go in for their tactical plan, planning for that on how they go in and execute and and plan for that mission, I would think that this information, you know, once they've, they've learned it and the ramifications that their bullets will have on different building materials, how they execute that. Uh, Absolutely. Marty. Um, that would be referring mostly to the team environment and those that actually get the most training. And I'm trying to give not only those individuals some background and data to chew on and understand and, and analyze, but more so the the actual street cop and or patrol officer sure. in a vehicle that may or may not have that level of training. So if they can have at least this data in the back of their mind um, hopefully they can be looking at their backgrounds in that event, which is all happening in a split second for these sure. folks. So um, there's no judgment here. I am simply providing some information, data, and background so that we all can hopefully benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about the the foot cop, you know, they're usually the first responders to a, a active shooter situation. 100%. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
So yeah, this information will be valuable. So let's talk about the different um, rounds and, and firearms that you are conducting the test with. Absolutely. So hey, Brian. we have done, you hey, know, Brian. three. Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Hey, sorry. Uh, no, I got to duck out for a meeting here. I apologize for having a boogie, but thanks for letting me be a part of this. This is an awesome conversation that I can't wait to listen to the rest of with uh, our listeners. Do you have anything that you want to make sure that we cover? Do you have any questions or anything like that that you want to go ahead and get I out think there and we can cover them? My one request for the data, Ken, as you come out with it, is um, worst case analysis. Stuff like pipes and that sort of thing help us. And so starting to come up with rules of thumb for, you know, a general load and a general gun of how many walls you go through, um, that'd be really cool because most of us are, while we do want to understand how behavior is, we also want that rule of thumb in our back pocket of what's, you know, how many walls is this round and, and gun combo. So um, I'm sure you're already doing that, but I think that's the obvious request uh, from the from the peanut gallery is as you start to nail this stuff down. So thanks a lot for working on it. I'm thrilled to be hearing about it. And uh, yeah, uh, look forward to the rest of the conversation here. Thanks all. Likewise, Brian. See you, Brian. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. See ya. So to that, I guess that kind of gets into the the rounds and the, the firearms that you're using and testing out. Absolutely. So um, we typically do this as a class environment and invite individuals to bring their typical uh, home defense and or duty defense firearms. So in the case of LE, they're bringing patrol rifles, um, handguns, and shotguns. Um, our civilian counterparts are doing exactly the same thing. Um, they just might be using a different brand, um, different barrel length, suppressed, unsuppressed. You know, it, it kind of matches. You know, the, the tier one civilian is doing the same thing that Ellie, if not even higher than what they have. Yeah. So yeah. I would there's think, a mix. There. Think probably the the biggest variation would be the type of ammo they're using. And that is true between civilian um, and Ellie. Yeah, so related to the ammunition, we also invite folks to bring what it is that they're using for personal defense. And I also put a strong um, data analysis towards regular ball ammo, FMJ, full metal jacket. The reason for that is the availability of it is much higher than defensive ammunition. It's much more common. Cheaper. If you, yeah, you go more to a, a More people are going to carry that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the likelihood of it being in your magazines, if you've been to the range and you and you have a, a an instance that's going sideways and just grab a magazine, it most likely is going to have ball ammo in it, not the uh, 2 or $3 around high-end defensive ammo. Um, so, you know, given that, we, we put a, a higher level of uh, data analysis on the FMJ. Sure. But we also do the, you know, your tap rounds and other duty rounds uh, provided by other companies. Um, as far as the firearms go, uh, we literally run the gamut. Um, Glock, Smith & Wessons. Um, we haven't done much with revolvers, but we have done a few. Mostly these are pistols. SIGs, mm -hmm. uh, HKs, uh, CZs. Um, gosh, it pretty much runs the gamut. You know, high point? Sure would... You doing any high points? 
I won't let a high point on my ring unless you need an anchor for, uh, you know, an overhead or something. <laughs> what about no offense to folks that make high point, but it's just not in our, in our, uh, in our genre. <laughs> and, and I don't know if yeah. you've gone down the 22 route yet or not. Are you testing the 22s as well? Because that's yeah. pretty popular yeah. around. We do, you know, 22 long rifle specifically um, is very, very common cartridge. So we have tested it um, and we will continue to test it. Uh, it's it's out there in, in mass. People have 22s. If you own a firearm, you've mostly got a 22 of some sort. So that's pretty popular and it's popular for hunting as well. So yeah, that's, that's a good one to have around. Yep. Very good. And you say the majority yeah. of your tests are, are revolve around the pistol? Um, actually it's a, it's a pretty good split between pistols, rifles, and shotguns. Okay. Uh, I don't really want to do more or less on any, they all have their values. And when it comes again, to law enforcement, like we're speaking to, there are more and more patrol carbines, um, in vehicles these days. So I think that's a pretty important aspect. A lot of our homeowners slash civilian defenders are, uh, concentrating on carbines because they are relatively easy to shoot um and being we do have the legal authority thank you uh and that's a i'm using that loosely because of the uh again our constitutional conversation but right. stabilized races have really opened up a whole nother realm for lighter weight carbines and or shorter bow i.e lighter weight um for individuals that a have um a disability that might make it more difficult for them to yield and use a full-size firearm um, and or somebody that's just smaller and lighter in stature um, or we just want to be able to conceal it as a quote-unquote truck gun or ruck gun uh, meaning a backpack tech gun so you know all those things are important so we literally cover all those all those types um, as far as shotguns go we typically focus on defensive shotguns um, 18 and a half inch barrels um, sometimes up to 20 but if anybody's kind of looking for, you know, the velocity and patterning, uh, we are talking about between 18 and 20 inch barrels. Um, related to uh, to rifle calibers, we are looking at anything from eight inch barrels um, all the way up to 20 inch barrels, depending upon what caliber and what firearm we're looking at. We have not really dove into uh, precision scoped rifle type calibers um, or using those barrel lengths for the extra velocity it just it just doesn't make sense when you start looking at the other data right. um, i'm sure i'd add some of it at some point um where we have used bigger caliber firearms is against vehicles um specifically so we have gone as high as 50 bmg um out of barrett's and otherwise so we actually have done those tests um on vehicles but, on vehicles specifically yeah. yes yeah. we have actually also tested against masonry um, multiple blocks of, of, of concrete, but not anything else simply because we already know the, we already know what the projectile is going to do and, and where it's going to end up. Um, so just for the, the savings of, of the time and, and the, and the expenditure, we have not done those tests. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's start with pistols, I guess would be a good, absolutely a good way to start. And then the different calibers and what you're seeing, uh, against these building materials and and I mean, we could start with the 22 and work our way up or however you want to do that progressively yeah i'll um i'll i'll speak to some of them um with more depth and and a little less sure. on yeah yeah 
Um, we'll concentrate most of our time uh, related to pistols on the nine millimeter because it is the most popular round these days. We also have some data on 40 Smith and Wesson. There's a lot of LE still using 40 Smith and Wesson, a lot of agencies also, but many are transitioning over or back to a nine millimeter. Um, we also done some with 45 ACP and 22 long rifle as well as 5.7. So we have a mix, but we'll concentrate on the nine millimeter. But to go to your question of the 22 long rifle from a pistol, much lower velocity. Um, those pistols have been uh, five inch barrel lengths and when shot against, um, again, this, this construction, I'll just kind of go through it in brief. We have four walls, the fourth wall and exterior um, for the outside. So everything is gypsum wallboard, fully studded, fully insulated. And then that outside has sheathing as well as having um, either cedar shakes or composite wallboard. Um, Are you getting as specific as putting paint and wallpaper on there as well? I haven't added that extra material. Um, we might consider that in the future. Um, one thing we, we won't get into as much in this conversation, as you and I talked about, we might add some extra episodes, sure. is we have actually added um, solid wood doors to the same four levels of walls, added um, a fifth wall behind it, which would be an exterior first. In other words, that would, that would mimic shooting through your home and into the neighbor's home um, and how that had effects. We also had um, vehicular studies where we added an exterior wall behind the vehicle so in other words, if you had to shoot, um, say, in your in your front yard, mm -hmm. uh, you know, defending yourself and it, and it went through a vehicle and then it went to a neighbor, you know, would you have penetration through their exterior wall? Right. Uh, we'll get into those at another point, along with floors, actually. So floors is a big floors one. Floors would be big, yeah, especially in uh, two-story homes and apartment complexes, those, those type uh, things. Absolutely. I didn't ask so we'll, you this. Are you, are you doing a ballistic... Uh, gel dummy as as some of this I as am. well okay. i am so okay. um some of these tests and I'll, I'll actually go through these with um some of these uh handgun cartridges that we're going to talk about okay. in briefness um these actually include a ballistic torso as being the first uh the first surface met and that ballistic torso is full density um essentially you'd need to be arnold schwarzenegger um in his prime to be the size of this ballistic dummy so that the typical human being is about six inches seven inches in depth from from breast to backbone yeah. um obviously some people have uh, greater depth to themselves and others have less but that six to seven inches seems to be fairly common um this dummy that we're using i believe is uh eight inches in depth uh, i'd have to measure I, well, there I is a lot remember. of obesity in this uh country as well so <laughs> i've got a couple extra myself i'm not gonna talk <laughs> hey, hey i'm one of them <laughs> right on but the the point to know about that ballistic torso it is it is full fbi rated ballistic gelatin it does not have bone structure or uh organ structure introduced and that's just uh because i'm paying for this material yeah um you know if we get a sponsor that throws us some stuff uh, wants hey. to support that you know, we'll certainly do that in the future. But those particular torsos um, cost in excess of twelve, fourteen hundred dollars. The ones that I'm working yeah. with are are five hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> are you making yeah. your own uh, ballistic? Uh, you pouring your own stuff and doing, or are you just buying them pre-made? 
So I, I purchase it pre-made um, from the Ballistic Gel Company. However, I do have the mold to be able to remold it. So for those that don't know, Ballistic Gelatin can be uh, melted and you can remove the projectiles and or trace elements from it and then uh, re-pour it. it. Yeah. And it can be done, uh, you know, five, six times. You know, I'm not an expert on that, but um, the directions do give you that capacity. And really all you're doing is, is losing the uh, clear color that it is, it, it ends up taking on some of the color from the from the carbonization the and other materials yeah. go through it. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, for the for these we do include um, that ballistic torso, and I'll I'll tell you um, when we're talking about the study that does not include the torso. But sure. for these handgun rounds, um, your nine your your twenty two long rifle, just to give that clear and, and get that out there from a handgun, um, it definitely goes through that ballistic torso whether it's a hollow point or whether it's a blunt point or whether it's a round nose, it passes right through. It doesn't know any different. Um, and then it passes typically through three walls. So we've had an arrest on some of those, depending upon the velocity of the specific 22 long rifle cartridge. Um, you know, some of them are, you know, 40, I think 43 grain, 44 grain, 40 grain, um, down to 37 grain. And I don't know the velocities on them. I don't have it off the top of my head but they are um, arresting usually in that third wall. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good truck for a 22 long rifle. Yeah, those little guys right there. Um, you know, if we, if we up the ante a little bit and we go to uh, the different varieties of the 22s that have more energy with them, um, those have made it well into that third wall and some have actually passed out through it. So if you go to 22 Magnum, they will pass through all those walls. Um, you wouldn't think that the little projectile would be able to manage that, but it does. Um, I'll scoot over. It's all right. Set. Just start talking about nine millimeter yeah. because that's where. I think know, that's really probably where most people want to yeah, hear about. Yeah, absolutely. For the pistol. So just, yeah. Sorry, Marty, go ahead. No, I was just saying for the pistol, that's probably what most people want to hear about. Now, I think uh, there's a lot of questions about the shotguns and, and you know, the yep. rifles because the AR, you know, has taken on as probably one of the most popular home defense tools uh, that there is so but yeah go it ahead. is we'll dispel a couple myths related to that too for you <laughs> oh yeah there'll be some facts to fight the myths i like that yeah yeah so, uh, just real it's quick i'm on your instagram page too so if there's a, a an example of what you're talking about that i could pull up for our video audience um while you're yeah, talking about absolutely. it i'd be happy to do that and for our listeners who aren't you can go to ken's instagram page it's ken allen training um Ken underscore Allen underscore training. And uh, he's got some videos posted up of these tests that he's going to be talking about. Do you have a YouTube yeah, channel? You, um, I don't. I should. Um, okay. Well, no, that's fine. I just thought that might be easier, but we can go to the Instagram. Um, just as, uh, you know, kind of speaking to what we're talking about here, you're actually hovering over one of the videos. Yeah. And that would be, uh, looks like it's one of the rifle videos. Yeah, so that's a PWS um, MK111. So that's a 11-inch gun uh, that happens to have a suppressor on it by Dead Air, um, and that video is speaking to how that tap round tumbles and still does a massive amount of penetration. What you're looking at there is that final wall. Um, that is the fourth wall, and it does actually penetrate into that fourth wall. So that's a law enforcement specific round. Um, designed to stop and it travels a great distance through a lot of surfaces. 
So that's just kind of the one things that we we really trying to get folks to be aware of. Um, if they go through soft matter and or they miss a target specifically, that round's going to keep going, even though it was designed to slow down and stop. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a bunch of other examples that are are on my page if you all want to go and take a look. And there'll be more posted as time goes on. Um, so far, I think we've posted up some 5.56, five, um, 7.62 by 39, 9mm, 9mm uh, HST. Um, I believe there's also a 5.45 video up there as well. So there's okay. a bunch, and there's more coming. So 38, we'll, we'll, I see... I'm looking at this board. I've got it on pause right here. I see. Looks like you got a 38. There's a nine millimeter. Um, sp some specific kind of nine millimeters. And I, I can't read your handwriting. <laughs> there's a 223. There's a 22 LR that I see on this board. So as you're going through, you're marking each each hole, each wall. And that's uh, correct. According so to what we do is we we go ahead and, and pace off about a 10 meter distance from the first surface. And we go ahead and fire that firearm into the first surface from that semi mark and then start tracking where the hits are. And we label each round on its entrance and on its exit. So we can see where it's where it's starting to off and keyhole and also the uh, difference in trajectory where it starts to change and orient direction. Um, what you're seeing there with those two cardboard targets in between is uh, there's a solid wood door it's the first feast that's talking to and um, whether or not somebody standing directly behind the door would be impacted. So we're tracking that trajectory immediately through the door to see if there's going to be deviation passing through the solid wood. Gotcha. So yeah, for anyone that wants to take a look, please check out the page. It's Ken underscore Allen underscore training. Um, you can also go to my website, which is uh, www.kenallentraining.us and uh, link you back to here. But yeah, so good stuff there. Um, yeah, if you want to click over to another one, you can just scan down. You'll find more. Um, those are shooting outside of vehicles. If you go just a little bit further, I think there's probably some more in there. There's, do, 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 do. Uh, that looks like just uh -huh. training. Yeah, I know there's one in there somewhere. <laughs> it might it might be further down the page. I'm scanning. While I'm scanning, you go yeah, ahead and, and and talk. All right, so yeah, keep having a look. There might be a handgun one coming up. Um, there's a there's a rifle one there, I think. Nope, there's not. Sorry. Anyway, so let's let's talk nine millimeter. Um, so this particular study, yep, there's one there actually. Um, we'll see which one that is. So I believe that's nine millimeter HST. Is that what that says? Yes. So we're, we're going to talk right to this study. So we're going to let, let folks see that. You can see the round goes through that ballistic gel torso. And again, look at the density of that torso. It's not slight. Um, that round impacts. It starts to flower or to create that mushroom effect that we look for from defensive ammunition. And in that case, it passes through wall one and it entered and hit a stud in wall two on the first round. Um, we then, if we hit a stud, we do additional rounds to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. And we had additional rounds actually go through the third wall, um, even though it's starting to, um, starting to deviate, starting to leaf and or expand. Um, it deviated trajectory 
after the third wall, exited third wall, went to the ground just before hitting that fourth wall. However, when it hit the ground, it then hit the berm with significant enough energy that we could conclude that it would have at least entered that fourth wall, but we're not going to state whether it would exit or not because we didn't collect that data. Gotcha. But that, again, that's a nine millimeter federal HST, 124 grain plus P defensive round. Um, Spear gold dot, 124 plus P did the same thing. So these rounds that we typically think that we're going to be, uh, you know, firing into a threat and having end in the threat, that's not the case at all. Um, I do not know what would happen if we introduced a significant amount of bone, but I can ascertain by seeing what happens when it hits a stud that it's not going to matter if it's bone or not. It's going to travel through that threat and then start traveling through other materials that are behind that threat. If anything, deflection is what you're going to get from. from, Yeah, exactly. And we do see that in a lot of the tests. One thing of note is a lot of the, testing that we see that is um you know fbi type testing or otherwise the ballistic gelatin tests you look at are usually done in a 12 or 18 or 24 inch block so that round is being tracked through the depth of that block which is great for seeing what's going to happen um, related to wound channeling where that wound channel starts to expand um, where the tumbling might take effect Um, where it starts to deviate. But the reality of that is, as we talked about earlier, um, you know, a human being is only so thick and they're not 12 inches thick for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So we're trying to, again, work more in a realm of reality um, versus just looking for ballistic data to share on the expansion of a certain projectile. Um, uh, I'm glad. If you if you don't mind, um, please. I, I'm glad you said that about the gelatin. Um, obviously, I make my living off of selling ammunition, and and so many people these days get so wrapped around the gelatin thing, the the FBI's protocol, and all this stuff. And yes, we do it because I have to show my customers that because 99% of them are so wrapped around that. Um, But I try to combat it and and say exactly what you said, Um, you know, because there's so many other variables, um, you know, shooting gelatin at FBI spec. Yeah, that's great to see what the bullet's going to do. And uh, essentially, you know, it's really not introducing any, you know, real world um, scenarios into the bullet. So, um so, yeah, it's great to see, you know, your expansion cavity and, and your penetration and stuff like that. But real world, um, people just don't get it. So they get wrapped around that that part of, you know, the gelatin thing. And, you know, oh, well, my carry ammo penetrates, you know, 18 inches, you know, and, and all this. And that's best. But anyways, I was really glad to hear you say that because, uh, you know, that, that's the truth. Thank you, Pete. I, I appreciate that a lot. And um, I would certainly love to work with you further as we as we do more of these studies. Um, yeah. So maybe we can help provide data that would be useful to you and to your customers. I would uh, be yeah, I'd be honored to uh, to be able to uh, work with you. That'd be great. Well, let's, thank you. You know the the ballistic gels as you're talking about for for the civilians. I mean it's 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 a marketing tool. 
you know, it's it's great to help people sell their ammo. But like you said, you know, you made a great point is that it's it's irrelevant. It doesn't make it doesn't really tell you what the bullet does or can do. It's just it's a visual effect that people have gotten hung yes. up on. And um, yeah, it, it really is. It is just simply a marketing tool. And yeah, it's, it's, and on it's, these ballistic very, gels too, these dummies. Um, I mean, I noticed that you guys aren't. Um, they're just plain gel. There's no clothing on it. You don't have like jackets or shirts or because all that has an effect on a, a trajectory and a, you know, the, the force of the bullet and everything like that too. So, um, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. It, it creates a whole nother surface. Yeah. Um, so to keep, to keep things as simple as possible, sure. um, so that we're looking more at the background. That's and, why we have not clothed the uh gel dummies yeah and if yeah because you're looking more for the the background type effect um but as your studies get more involved and hopefully you know get some funding for these um is that something that you're going to look at doing is putting absolutely realistic clothing and and whatnot like a sweatshirt or a blue jean jacket or a you know whatever yeah absolutely you know we we spoke earlier to the fact that we train in all seasons and in all conditions and that is one thing that we impress upon our students and, and others that we speak to on a regular basis is we have to continually change what we're doing related to our clothing and our kit because of the surface, mm-hmm. um, you know, any sort of lubricity that it has, um, the density. If you are wearing a plate carrier, non-plate carrier, chest rig, non-chest rig, uh, concealed carry, trying to get at that gear, um, the more layers we add to it, we need to work through that. So um, I think that you're absolutely on, on point. And yeah, and I'm kind of getting off track because we're just talking about surfaces right now. And yep. know, so I want let's stick to that. I don't want to confuse our listeners <laughs> as to exactly what we're talking about. But, you got um, it. Alyssa knows a thing or two about firearms. The gun store where she works and the folks she instructs would vouch for that. She spends most of her time on the range and in the classroom teaching others about firearms fundamentals of shooting. On her days off, you'll likely catch her somewhere in the backcountry with her favorite firearm, a Kel-Tec KS-7. At just over 26 inches, this short, slim second cousin to the KSG is lighter, but no less lethal. The shotgun's 18.5-inch barrel offers plenty of velocity, and its ample magazine tube provides a healthy dose of firepower with its 7-plus-1 shell capacity, her go-to for home protection. Alyssa loves the carry handle and fiber optic sight she got on her first KS7, but is equally enamored with the Picatinny rail kit she put on her second. Why settle for one when you can add another to your already awesome collection of Keltecs? Innovation. Performance. Keltec. We talked about the 9mm, um, so let's move on up and let's go to a, a shotgun or a rifle. Let's do the rifle, then we'll do shotgun last. All right, we can do that. Let me switch over a little bit. So just so we know when we're talking about um, the rifle and the rifle ammo, um, we did go ahead and fire through the ballistic dummy, just like we talked about for um, the first part of the data that I'm going to offer you, and that would be for the full metal jackets. Um, We did not, however, do studies yet with the ballistic gelatin for um, any of the defensive rifle rounds. Um, reason for that is because of the extra destruction that it would do to the ballistic uh, dummy 
and we didn't have the ability to replace the ballistic dummy during that test, gotcha. which it might it might end up requiring. So um, we're looking at this as a pass through with our um, our FMJ rounds. So I'll start with five five six two two three, and just standard five five six two two three when it is launched out of a sixteen inch barrel. We had um, Daniel Defense out there. We had Six Sour out there. We've had HK out there. Uh, we've had IWI out there and and others, um, both in ARs as well as Galils um, and other versions of those. So 5.56 PMC FMJ 55 grain um, when related to that same standard that we looked at earlier of those four walls, um, it passes through three, four walls and will lodge in studding in the fourth wall. When it's refired and does not hit the studding, it passes completely through all four walls. Um, the energy hitting the berm is still pretty stout, and there's very little tumbling or deviation in the trajectory with the FMJ. When we amp that up and we go to 63 grain, um, and we're using just a lead projectile, so that would not be a steel core projectile. Mm -hmm. We have same result except when it does hit that fourth wall studding um, it did exit um, if we want to switch over a little bit and look at having a steel core projectile that's kind of the game changer and this is where there's going to be uh, a lot of people perking up and go and say what that's not what we typically hear um, we have done multiple studies with um, SS-109 and other steel core 5.56 projectiles, and they typically will start tumbling after meeting that first surface, and they keyhole on every surface thereafter, usually in a fairly straight orientation. In other words, the trajectory stays fairly true, um, but it usually will lodge and or stop in either the third or fourth wall. There have been instances where it has broken the exterior siding that we've applied, whether it be the cedar shake siding or the concrete composite siding of the fourth wall, but it did not actually exit. So that big question that comes, you know, which round of most general rounds does not pass through all the walls? Um, it actually is that steel core ammo. Hmm. So yeah contrary to popular belief that's the one that will slow down and stop and um then why do you think that is i believe it's because of the of the tumbling effect that's happening yeah. because of the steel core itself yeah it's not holding a straight trajectory it's not ice picking through the surfaces it's actually starting to tumble almost immediately once it hits that first surface and it starts to uh, collect a little bit of exterior material through that gypsum wallboard, mm -hmm. it starts to just like you're seeing there with that 545 that's being spoken to um, in the video presently. Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting aspects. Um, when we go down to uh, the 556 Hornaday, a 75 grain tap round made for LE specifically, uh, first wall enters exit, second wall starts to yaw, so it's starting to tumble and keyhole and entry through that second wall, exiting as a full keyhole on the second wall, going into the third wall as a full keyhole, and exiting the third wall as a full keyhole. But the trajectory has changed enough and deviating that it did not hit the fourth wall, and it went to the berm. So 
just knowing that we have that hollow point style round, it is collecting material, it's starting to yaw, um, and it is deviating its, its orientation. Does it mean it will go through the fourth wall? It potentially might. Um, as we've reshot it, it did. Um, so if you hit studding and or it just starts to deviate direction enough, it could not pass through that wall. It might hit something else in the room, whether it be a piece of furniture or otherwise. But we do have secondary reflection upon that that did pass through all four walls and punch the berm. And that's out of an 11-inch 11, 11 barrel, 5.56 um, five, ammo. Um, when we went to 69-grain soft point, um, it actually did the same exact thing, and it went through the fourth wall exit and hit the berm with energy. Um, as you're seeing here, we're talking about uh, 545 by 39. So now we're getting into our, our Kalash community. Yeah. Uh, that is 545 by 39, 59 grain FMJ Golden Tiger. Um, I believe that is a CW Gunworks uh, AK-74, 16-inch barrel. Um, that round, as you can see, starts to tumble a bit. Um, it did go through the second wall, begins tumbling. Uh, it keyholes into the third wall. And in that third wall, the downward trajectory starts to take it such that it hits the ground surface rather than going to that fourth wall. So that deviation downward took it into the dirt and then it hit the berm in the back with still a tremendous amount of energy. So when folks are asking, you know, is 545 better than 223556? In this type of instance related to these materials in these environments, they are probably equal. Um, the same when we results. transition, go ahead, Marty, sorry. No, I just say you're getting the same, basically the same results. Yeah, pretty much same results all the way through. Um, what, are, go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, what what 545 ammo was this? Yeah, no problem, Pete. No, it was not. It was Golden Tiger. It was 59 oh, okay. MJ. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Okay. Yeah, I have not actually tested seven and six um, yeah. extensively yet. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I have tested it quite a bit, uh, and seven and six does some wild stuff. Um, yeah, when you go to test it, be prepared for ninety degree deflection. Whoa! Um, and, and I mean, no kidding. We we shot it into gelatin. This was bare gelatin. This was the first test. It literally went in about eight inches and took a ninety degree turn, went through the through the roof of the building. Um, it's wild stuff. Oh my gosh! Um, we had them uh, go through, you know, go through gelatin, you know, six eight inches and take a hard dive in wow. through the tables, everything. So it's it's really really very unpredictable ammo. It's but you know that seven and six has got that hollow hollow cavity, so. The, the way they designed it was for to to induce tumbling. Right. Uh, well, it, it certainly does that. <laughs> That's good to know. Tumbles so. and does jumping jacks and <laughs> sounds like the magic yeah. bullet from JFK. Right. Yeah. yeah. After we uh, after the ones went through the roof and then one went through the table like that, we're like, listen, we're not going to shoot this any indoors anymore. Um, just because we don't know where where this stuff's going to go. So yeah, it's, it's really wild stuff. So very interesting. Yeah. Um, that actually does mimic the experiences that we've been seeing with the, the uh, five four five. As far as seeing a lot of deviation, we haven't had that dramatic. But mm -hmm. uh, whew, that's, that's, that's pretty that's, dramatic. Yeah, yeah, 90, yeah, that's very yeah. dramatic. Going yes. going yeah, through I'll, the uh, the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nuts. <clears throat> um, it actually. 
actually went through right above the gelatin blocks. We had, you know, um, you know, the lighting and it, it went right through the lighting through the ceiling. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll send you some ammo after this and I'll include, uh, some of that seven and six. So you don't have to source it. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Pete. Much appreciated. Yep. So, um, so. I'll, I'll conclude this part of the segment. Um, just speaking to 76239, we saw a video up there. Um, that was a that was an arsenal 76239 um, 107 that was then converted by CW Gunworks um, down in down in Miami. These guys are awesome. If you need any work done, please seek them out. Um, there's also many others out there that are doing really quality work. And if you need suggestions, please ask. I know just about all of them, and am impressed by all their work. Um, we went ahead and we also tested, like I said, 76239. That was FMJ Golden Tiger, 123 grain. Um, it passed through all four walls like butter. Um, it, it travels very well. Uh, I believe one of the questions on the on the postings that were on your IG page, mm -hmm. Mark, or was related to um, uh, barrier penetration and 76239 versus 556. There is no comparison. 76239 is a barrier penetrator. Um, yep. that's, uh, one of the reasons why it's one of the ones that I focus on personally, but, um, yeah, so it, it was complete pass through as, as expected. Did you no have deviation. a lot of deviation in the no. tumbling or no. just, phew, just a rock right, right through. It's a yeah, laser. Right through. And when it did hit studding, it just took the stud with it. Uh, so <laughs> it, it has a tremendous amount of energy that projectile moves, um, pretty linearly. Yeah. It doesn't usually deviate unless there is an angle introduced. So because we did shoot this at 90 degrees, um, it was hitting a stud at 90 degrees, and therefore it would deviate slightly, but it would actually go through the stud um, rather than glancing off. However, I have seen with other materials, if you do introduce an angle, it will capture some of that angle, and that'll, that'll track that trajectory. So just a little bit of background on that. Um, we did also test 76251 uh, or 308. Uh, we yeah. tested those through IWI Galil Aces, um, uh, 11 inch, actually 11.8 inch for those that matter on tracking on the ballistics. Um, one of the stabilizer brace pistols. Um, I really, really like that gun as a backpack gun, uh, truck gun, or otherwise. 7.62 by 51 literally does it all. Um, but again, it passes through all that material, goes straight through just like 7.62 by 39. Um, when you we went to 7.62 by 54R, same thing, straight through. Um, and 30 six out of a hunting rifle that happened to be an 18 inch gun straight through um, no questions asked and it hits the berm all four of those cartridges hit the berm with authority wow. so even passing through the material so going through um, a <laughs> ballistic jail going through four walls and still popping the berm popping the berm hard, hard. yeah <laughs> very much so so there, there's a a strong distinction, as you might imagine, talk a full-blown battle cartridge or hunting cartridge versus a sure. uh, 5.56 or a 5.762, uh, uh, yeah. 5.4. Anyway, yeah, any of those smaller cartridges. Um, yeah, big, big difference. So the, uh, uh, the con well, I'm going to say the conclusion, but you know, what somebody could surmise from that is, you know, if you're looking for a good home defense round, you probably don't want to go with the 7.62 but 3.9. Yes and no. It depends upon where you live, right? So yeah. if you are uh, more rural and um, 
you know, living with more space between homes, wooded or ranch or otherwise, where you might need to barrier penetrate, um, that that might be a, a consideration that you consider that might outweigh using that heavier cartridge. Um, but for the safety of but the interior. Interior and, exterior, and people inside, you know, with your family, your kids, your whatever, uh, yep. pets. Um your your odds of that penetrating and hitting someone else is are a lot greater. It it is so from our from our studies and only this data alone, um, the suggestion would be to pointing towards five point five six and um, with a steel core, um, only because we have seen enough rounds tumbling almost immediately hitting the first surface and slowing down the most in comparison to other rounds. Now, that's still going through four full walls, but it's arresting in that last wall typically. We have had some breaks, as I said, through exterior wallboard, but we usually don't have a strong exit. We have had some exit, not all the time. So of all the rounds, that's the one that stood out as not exiting the most. Yeah. Um, that's, not, that's not conclusive. That's just through the you know small sample sets that we've done. Yeah. And um, again, this is all you know, relative you know, on how you want to use this data. Is you know if yeah, you're looking yeah. for barrier penetration, then then yes, this seven six two, but three nine. If you're not exactly. looking, you're looking for as little barrier penetration as possible. You know, then you got to look at some, look at the smaller rounds, the different rounds. Right. And you know, in hearing the data that that Pete was bringing to light related to five four five, that would that would actually steer me away from five four five, um, just because it's so volatile in its trajectory change. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're really looking to try to track the predictability, as you just said, Marty, that that is going to let us know whether or not if we do miss and or hit soft matter and it passes through, we can then have a general estimate of where it might end up. Right. Maybe. Um, but all that said, that takes me to shotguns. If yes. you don't mind the big ones. Yes, it, it is. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about carbines because folks love their carbines and they're using them for home defense or as their, you know, first tier firearm. However, um, you know, shotguns used to be the home defense, personal defense and L.E. long gun. And yep. I'm a strong, strong supporter of having a shotgun in your quiver um, and those that that need and or want personal defense shotgun really is your most versatile firearm um and i've said it before we, we noted it in the last podcast if you're traveling it's the least restricted firearm so you know you can check on the restrictions you must check the restrictions of all states while you're doing travel um and or any place you're planning going especially uh, local municipalities they're the ones that typically have the more odd gun laws but um you're usually less restricted with a shotgun um, with that, I did not, so just kind of disclaimer, I did not bother testing any of the um, typical hunting shotgun gauges. So I have not done 16 gauge, have not gone 10 gauge, I have not done 28 gauge, and I didn't do 20 gauge either, um, only because it's not a typical law enforcement uh, cartridge. And it you know, 12 gauge typically is more prevalent. So we will do 20 gauge at some point, just so folks know the difference. We'll also blend in 410 at some point, but for now we're strictly focusing on 12 gauge. 
Gotcha. Uh, Makes sense. The, yeah. yeah um, and again, for those that are, that are tracking true ballistics and want to know about velocities, we are using 18 and a half inch shotguns. So, you know, that's the barrel length. Um, usually um, either an open choke, no choke. Um, so straight cylinder bore. Um, and the ones that we've been using Conks, are semi both. So that's, that's really good to know because the semi does take slight amount of energy off of it. Uh, for the semis, we've been using Benelli's Benelli M4s. Um, and for the pumps, we have been using a combination of Mossberg 590A1s and, uh, Remington 870s and usually the LE Magnum model. Um, there have been another, you know, others in the mix. Uh, we have mixed in a couple Wingmasters and and others like with slightly longer barrels, but we don't really mm -hmm. find that there's that much of a difference. Um, it just reduces the patterning, um, you know, makes the pattern small because you have a longer barrel at that 10 meter distance that we're using. Do you have some uh, video on the shotgun? Say again, I'm sorry. Do you have some video on the shotgun that I could pull up real quick while you're talking about uh, it? I don't. I don't know if it's on there or not, Marty. Um, I, I'm guessing no. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll have to forego that one for the moment. Sure. Um, we have done three different types of test studies with shotguns, and one that was a little bit more unique, um, we used the three walls that we spoke to earlier, but instead of introducing the fourth wall, we hung a 24-pound chunk of beef um, <laughs> with bone-in. So you feeling that saucy was, that day, huh? We, we literally and figuratively, yes. <laughs> so the intent was to just see related specifically to um, that was shot with five, five, six, nine millimeter HST and 12 gauge slugs and 12 gauge buckshot. Um, when we did that specific study, again, three walls were used, same construction we've spoken to. But we wanted to see that if somebody was in that third room in outside the house or in another house, what would be the effect if it actually hit um, another human being or another animal, so on and so forth, whether it be a horse, dog, doesn't matter, you know, with this same effect. Related to the shotgun, um, as you can imagine, the slug travels through everything. And if you look at the four wall test, it travels through all four walls. Um, the, the big thing about shotgunning that you need to understand is the wad itself is still deadly. Um, Absolutely. It, yeah. In most of the studies that we've had, um, when using traditional buckshot field loads um, or slugs, the, the wadding has um, ended up, and that's if we're using Sabbath slugs, that'd be wadding with, with slugs. Um, our wadding has either ended up in the first wall, so in the first surface, or in the case where it actually was in the middle of the pattern, it punched through and it broke the second wall. So it went through one complete wall. So two layers of wallboard through the insulation and hit the second wall. So a third layer of gypsum wallboard breaking the surface, but not penetrating it. So that's important to understand and realize because a lot of folks don't understand that wadding is extremely dangerous, particularly even out to 35 meters. So it hasn't caught enough of the uh, friction in its flight to slow down unless you're past that 35 meter mark. And we, we see yep. some really valid strong hits. So again, these tests are at 10 meters and it has broken through that amount. Jeez. Now with the slugs, it goes right through. Um, if you add, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, 
um, if you add a solid core door, a solid wood door to that, it'll go through that wood door and it'll also keep going through those four walls and it'll introduce itself into the neighbor's house. So just be that said, we'll skip over there. Um, With a slug. Three, a slug, yes, yeah, okay. slug. Three-quarter inch uh, LE velocity slug. So that's that's actually a slower velocity slug than most. So we're typically using um, federal um, LE. So yeah, those, those slugs are, are a little bit downgraded in their velocity yeah. and they're still passing through all that. Um, when we did it with the three walls and the 24 pound meat test, it destroyed the meat. It went through all walls and it literally split that meat in half. Wow. So tremendous amount of energy, even after going through those walls. Um, so that, that's probably semi expected by most and this is where the questions typically come in. It's like, okay, well, buckshot, what about buckshot, Ken? Um, and bird loads and, and others of the sort. Um, I typically do not recommend bird shot. I know a lot of, a lot of um, self-defense advocates say, well, because of overpenetration, we prefer you look at, at bird loads. Are they correct in the sense there's less overpenetration? Yes, absolutely. It'll still go through that first wall. Um, birdshot will penetrate that first wall. It typically arrests in the second to the third wall, depending upon the velocity and depending upon the material of the shot. So steel yeah. shot, so if you're utilizing uh, goose or waterfowl rounds that are required in certain areas for steel shot sewers, they travel further um, and through more material, as one might imagine, than lead. The lead tends to flatten itself and slow down its velocity a little bit sooner. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did not test any three and a half inch loads. We did not test any three inch loads. We were typically focusing on two and three quarter inch loads for these specific tests, again, because it's the most common. Yeah. Um, when we get into buckshot, so this gets kind of interesting. Um, the types of buckshot that we utilized were standard double lot buck. Um, again, we're using federal, um, the LE loads, and we also used standard. Um, I think they're Fiocchi, uh, Fiocchi loads. The yeah. big difference between the two when we look at it um, is Federal uses something called a flight control wadding, which keeps your patterning tight over distance. It's, it's fantastic for many, many things. But um, your standard wadding allows your deviation of spread um, to be a much greater effect. So if yeah. you want greater spread, don't use flight control. If you want to keep more control over your spread or patterning, then flight control is the way to go. It is more expensive, but it actually really does the job. Oh, there you go. Awesome. I got some Fiocchi yeah. buckshot here. Double up. Yep, and it's great stuff. Highly reliable. Yep. And that is that nine pellet? This is nine pellet. Yep. Nine pellet. Okay. Yep. And that's what we were testing as well. Yep. So high brass, nine pellet. Yep. Cool. I want to say that the uh, the LE loads, the flight controllers are eight pellet, but I might be misspoken. I'd have to check the the actual specification on I, those. I'm ninety eight percent sure it's eight. You're you're correct. Cool. Um. So we'll, let's um let's start with the double op buck. Um, our standard double op buck. So that that Fiuki that you're speaking to and others like it because we have tested some others, uh, UMC, Remington, and others like it, but that, that Fiocchi load right there, um, you might be surprised to hear that it'll actually go through all four walls. 
<laughs> All right. So what happens is the those little pellets are essentially nine millimeter projectiles. And yep. the the only real difference between those loads is the amount of spread on the patterning and then the deviation of such. So what we've experienced is um, at that 10 meter distance, we usually have a pattern um, of about 12 inches plus or minus on the on the initial impact. And then it starts to spread from there. Um, it does go completely through and has exited um, with usually about five pellets to the exterior and then hitting the wall. So we're most likely losing three of those pellets, four of those pellets on some of the tests uh, to studding. And because they are round, more surface area, we're finding that they're getting lodged in the third and fourth wall studding. But we are still seeing, um, in some cases, five pellets exiting. And again, that's a nine million projectile. You know, it's point three three, so it's 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 still going and it, and it's traveling out. And it's usually at about a twenty to thirty inch spread from its initial impact at that point. So overall distance, you're talking about uh, plus or minus fifteen meters um, as far as the overall distance that we've been testing, and that's plus the ten meters to the shooter. So 25 meters overall, 15 meters on the actual materials. Hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah. So and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. So if we step that back and we use double up buck flight control, so it's federal product, and we go there, our first wall is introduced with a three-inch pattern. And again, that really goes to show what that flight control wadding is capable of. That three-inch padding, if, it, if the wad deviates, the wad will... Uh, embed itself in that first wall. If the wad does not deviate, it travels through the center of that pattern and it travels with the pattern and it will then lodge itself in the second or third wall depending upon how much it's traveled. So yeah. again, question about wadding, yes, it's dangerous. So you saw the wadding go through at least two walls in that. Yes. Yep. In most wow. cases, so when I look over the amount of data that we've tracked, um, the average is usually one full wall and then lodging and or breaking the surface of the second wall. So three layers of gypsum wallboard, one complete wall pass through. Yeah. That would be the average, but I have seen it actually travel through two fall walls when it stays concentric with the center of the pattern. Mm. Um, what it's also done, so this is also interesting. Sure. So um, again, this is on the averages of that specific ammo. We have seen about a four inch pattern onto the second wall, a four to five inch pattern on the third wall. And then when it breaks through the fourth wall, it does, um, in most cases, we see um, again, four to five pellets exiting through that last wall. So we've lost a few pellets. Their energy has most likely been dissipated into studding, mm -hmm. but um, the overall aspect of the pattern is usually about 10 inches, no more. So a very strong difference between the third up to 30 inch pattern on six the inch spread versus the 10 inch. Yeah, that's yeah. significant, especially yeah. when you're looking at the background effect of something. Right. So that's why that bit of information or data is important. Um, the next the next type of buckshot that we go to is number four. Um, why number four? I mean, we could spend another hour talking just about shotgun <laughs> shells and, and the ballistics of such uh, yeah. related to personal and home defense and LE defense. But 
be it known if anybody's doing any research on the different gauges and and uh, types of shot, number four buckshot is the next logical choice, and it does pretty well. So spoiler alert, if you are looking for to skip ahead or you skipped way ahead, you want to know what home defense, personal defense, or LE load to use, it's number four buckshot. Um, and that's over a carbine. And oh, we'll wow. talk to that and nice. why right now. So okay. um, which ones do we use? We use federal mostly, um, shot at those same distances. Um, I'll just go through two of the data points here for you. And um, we start out with a four inch pattern, um, wadding not concentric with the, with the pattern. Um, so it embedded itself in that first layer of wallboard. However, the pattern then continued through with that similar four to five inch pattern going through, entering, exiting wall one, wall two, wall three, <clears throat> going into and changing its trajectory at that point, deviating enough that most of the pellets were then hitting the ground surface and then bouncing into the, the back berm and not actually making it to the fourth wall. So the deviation was in a downward direction. And we did denote that on almost all of the number four buckshot um, from federal. Hmm. So Consist consistently I, deviating down. It was, yep. So we, in order to try to change the variable, we shot it from both a standing position, literally shooting straight. Um, and then we tried it from a kneeling position, also shooting straight, just in case the shooter had some downward deviation to their muzzle. Um, I have not measured the angle. It's something that we're gonna add to the data going forward, but um, we were eyeballing it. And certainly from the kneeling, we were noticing that we were as level as level can be. Um, and we were still finding a downward deviation in the trajectory. Hmm. So that, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, right. The other rounds fired. So same material, but here's with the wadding actually tracking through. Um, more consensually concentric with the actual shot group. Um, we are finding, again, that wadding was entering and exiting the first wall, entering and then patterning into the second wall where it broke the second wall surface and it stayed either in the second wall or bounced off of it at that point and stopped. Pattern and kept going though. So the pattern entered and exit, went through wall three, entered into wall four. It was doing that downward trajectory that we just spoke about and it deviated enough to be inconclusive of whether or not it would completely penetrate wall four. We were finding some pellets in wall four without breaking the exterior uh, surface, whether it be the concrete composite or the cedar shakes. Um, let's take that same episode over to the three wall 24 pound meat test. Mm -hmm. um, we were seeing the number four buck only getting say half the pellets hitting the meat and when it was hitting the meat it was penetrating the meat but it was not destroying the meat however when we use standard double up buck we were finding massive destruction in the meat um and pass through of the meat in some cases where where the meat was thinner yeah. um so a little bit of difference there not a lot of data but again something to consider and again it's pointing us towards the direction of thinking about number four buckshot versus double up buck for personal home protection for less uh, penetration correct yeah. correct yep so so defiant uh, my company we're i've been looking at um you know introducing a buckshot and a uh 
and a slug. Um, nice. In the you know sometime in the near future, and uh, so you're saying that I need to look at number four buckshot instead of traditional. And that's log. yeah, Pete. You know that's based upon um, probably a hundred rounds fired total. So mm-hmm. not a strong sample set by any means, um, mm-hmm. but it's been fairly consistent. And I'd be happy, you know, off off offline to to talk more of this stuff with you. Um, yeah, but it does it does seem to go that direction. I, and I'm guessing it's the mass versus velocity of the smaller yeah. bullet. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I I really don't have any experience with number four uh, too much. It's always been double odd, and you know um that's what i was probably going to go with but you you bring up a very that's very interesting um and definitely something i i would like to talk to you further about yeah anytime i'm gonna gonna door an open book it's great i think you probably have a lot of good info for you for for all your rounds for for home defense stuff so let's do this do you have any more shotgun data that we need to make sure that we cover you know i want to hit the listener questions yeah that that's the gist of it i think go to questions um I'm going to have to take just a really quick pause because I need to make a, a really quick phone call, um, and I'll be right back. Okay. And that'll give me time to look up the uh, the questions here. So, Perfect. Thanks, Marty. And then, See you back. Guys. Yeah. And then, Pete, yep. Um, yeah. based on everything that, that we just talked about with, with Ken, what kind of data points were you getting from that? I know, obviously, you keyed in on that the shotgun. Um, yeah. Um man i don't even know where to start i mean uh ken's clearly a wealth of knowledge and um you know it's 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 a it's a breath of fresh air to to hear him speak because there's a lot there's a lot of bad information out there um and to hear what he's doing and how he's doing it um man it's been really nice i i've really really um he, he really had my attention. So with your um, experience, and, you know, you've got the 15 years uh, with the SWAT, and then, of course, you you manufacture your own ammunition, and you do a lot of testing yourself. Um, yeah. With the way that he's going about doing this testing, um, do you see anything in there that maybe maybe they should be doing this or, you know, they're right on with what they're doing with that to get, you know, the kind of results that they're looking for or, or not results but the data that they're looking for? man i i think it's great um you know when we were when we were you know hitting hitting houses uh back in my younger days um that was a serious topic of conversation um like we had talked off camera early about you know trailer houses and stuff unfortunately they're everywhere in america Mm -hmm. um and data shows um at least from the stuff that we've done that you have a higher probability to be doing a raid on uh, on a trailer home um, than a you know a regular home. So um, that was a big topic. So typically, um, you know, we we made you know when we would before we you know do a hit, we would uh, you know we would talk about ammo selection, weapon selection, and stuff like that. So I have a another quick story to tell um so long story short this was a three 308 winchester a resident was showing off um his suppressed 308 
launched around into the dirt at a pretty sharp angle. That bullet ricocheted, went about a half a mile, hit a uh, trailer home. There was a gentleman in his living room sitting on his uh, reclining chair. The bullet came through the wall, went through his left uh, armrest on the thing, and lodged into the couch. Oh, God. Um, literally, <laughs> literally missing him by inches. And, uh, you know, he, you know, heard what happened. Like, it just kind of, like, hit right next to his arm. And so he investigated what it was and pulled out a rifle, rifle bullet. Much to his dismay, one. I'm sure. He's like, yeah, he's and, trying to kill um, me. Yeah, we're talking about a 220-grain bullet going subsonic. So somewhere around 1,000 feet per second to, to 1040, somewhere in there. And uh, how far was this from the actual there. discharge? It probably, I can't remember the distance, probably nearly a half a mile. Good God. Um, and that was after it ricocheted. <laughs> after, yeah, full. I mean, this. Yeah, this wasn't straight line trajectory here. Yeah. So, so we had a ricochet, you know, and then it just caught the right angle and it kept going. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really crazy to think about. I mean, um, I think that bullet had enough force. If it would have hit him, it probably went through him. It was a, uh, if I remember correctly, it was a Sierra, uh, two hundred twenty grain Sierra Match King. Wow. But uh, yeah, interesting, right? So, you know, bullet and. Uh, firearm selection for in home, you know, like Ken said, it depends if you're rural, like, you know, where I'm at right now, you know, there isn't houses. I don't have a house within a hundred yards of me or more. So, you know, my selection may be different than um, somebody that, you know, lives in a, a trailer park where there are 12 foot, you know, property lines. So it's a serious, serious thing especially in the law enforcement application, I mean, say you do a hit on a, you know, on a, on a home and you have children in mm -hmm. the, in, in the back room, you know, like people see like in the movies, you know, where you go in and you, you know, you smoke everybody and, and everything and everything's fine. But, um, real world, you have people's family, you have those bad guys, children there that are totally innocent. You have, pregnant wives, you have all kinds of stuff that you have to take into serious consideration because once that bullet leaves that barrel, it's gone forever. It, you cannot, you cannot grab it back. There's no redos. So, uh, knowing the trajectory after it leaves that barrel is absolutely vitally important. Absolutely. It is. That's somebody's lives depend on it. hundred percent. So, no, when you were off camera, I was just saying that it's, you know, a breath of fresh air to hear you speak. Um, you really captivated my attention just because the stuff that you're, you know, that you're saying that you're putting out and stuff. I, I think it's awesome. And there's there's really not a lot of people that I can think of anyways that are doing it and doing it to the depth that you're doing it. And I've always thought it was a very serious topic that really nobody. Now I'm talking people, Joe Blow ever takes into consideration right. i could probably go door to door you know and, and i bet you there's nobody that i come in contact with that that has ever yeah. thought about didn't even think that. about it yeah didn't even think yeah, about so if i shoot where is it gonna go and who is it gonna affect yeah likewise pete and i i really appreciate those words it's a it's it's encouraging and um you know like we talked about earlier my initial intention for this was to help law enforcement 
particularly our, our beat cop and or our patrol mm -hmm. officer, um, as well as our, our citizens and civilians that are, that are out there just trying to do the right thing and protect themselves and protect their families. Um, and they, they need data like this in order to be able to really truly consider their options um, and right. also consider that sometimes sometimes you don't shoot. You know, it doesn't matter how clean the shoot is. doesn't matter if you, you're in the right. Sometimes it's just best not to. Um, right. So, you know, hopefully this helps with that. But I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just not, you know, getting into an even bigger topic. But, I mean, this is so important for law enforcement with all the school shootings and stuff that, that they've had to experience. Now you go into a school where there's hundreds of children. Yes. Um, there's there's tons. A lot of schools are made with, you know, brick and stuff. I mean, bullets skip. You know what? Oh, it just gets it's crazy. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, we actually do a, a little party trick um, related to skipping ammo. It's something that my mentor Kyle Lamb had shown me and taught me many years ago. But oh, yeah. on a even on a dirt surface, um, you can skip rounds underneath a vehicle and hit targets behind the vehicle. Absolutely, not, not difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we have found, I mean, in, in my experience, we have found uh, bad guys and good guys tend to hug walls. Oh, yeah. They tend to, if they're walking up, you know, a long hallway, they're going to be on a, either one of those sides of the walls. Well, you know, and bullets travel, skip down walls real nice and easy. Um, but, uh, and, and people need to, you make, know, really take that in. Make a bank shot? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Yep. The old. Let's go to some listener bullets. Let's go to some listener questions now. That'd um, be great. And we'll start off with the seven six two by three nine question. Pew pew RN. And I don't know if you've if you've done both or not. Does the Russian made steel ammo, cased ammo, penetrate better than a regular FMJ? Do the Russian hollow points and soft points expand? So uh, from my experience, as this is kind of very similar to um, using SS-109 or M855, you know, in the 5.56 equivalent, um, the steel penetrator does initiate a tumble to some degree, but in the 7.6239, it's got so much energy that in these tests specifically, mm -hmm. it has already passed through all that matter. Yeah. Um, so where we're starting to see that deviation of tumble is actually beyond so when we place targets actually in the backstop just to see where it's hitting and if it's actually changing directory, we find pretty straight hits, um, even including, um, you know, the steel core Russian ammo or steel core Chinese ammo, for that matter, for those that are interested. Now, yeah. that not to be confused with Russian AP, because um, that is different. Gotcha. And I think most of our, our 762 questions here are people who want to see penetration, you know, that's why they're using the seven, six, two. So they're talking about, you know, defeating vehicles and, you know, barricades and, and things like that. And I think then that's not what we're talking about today. So that could be another uh, episode that we get into that kind of stuff. Maybe the AK corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah we, can do, yeah. we can do a whole nother one on vehicles. I've got a tremendous amount of data with that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that could be a topic by itself. Um, yep. Yeah. And you know, we, Defiant Munitions makes a solid copper expanding bullet, uh, right. 124 grain, and that thing is an absolute penetrating beast. Um, so there's not much that stops that bullet. It's uh, so if if 
you know, these viewers are looking for something to go the distance. It's, uh, it's, uh, it penetrates a ton. This is a good question from, uh, P man. And this will come from, I guess, your personal experiences and probably not your, your tests that you've done, but, uh, he says best unexpected household item that could prove relatively bulletproof. I guess, you know, if, if, if you have intruders and you do your house invasion training with your family, it's like, all right, get behind this and, you know, do this kind of thing. Um, quite honestly, it, it doesn't exist in a lot of homes anymore, but this, this is both home and office and it's a file cabinet. Um, if that file cabinet is actually full of paper or other paper type material, um, and it is hit through the paper, not in the orientation of the, not the side of the paper, but mm-hmm. through the paper, um, that that's a good stopper. Um, you know, you'll probably have the best results out of that. I have shot a tremendous amount of home goods, uh, furniture and appliances and otherwise, and most of these cartridges pass through it like it's butter. Yeah. And a phone book will yeah. not stop a bullet. <laughs> just, oh, no. Just so a you know. wet one a little bit. <laughs> Remember that video yeah. that was going around viral a few years ago? Um, these kids had a a fifty cal, and the chick shot the dude. He was holding the phone book up like it's going to stop, and he just went right through and killed him. Pretty stupid. Oh, you're kidding me? No, I didn't hear that one. Oh. No, all right, Lord. Yeah, these these influencers, I tell you. John Adams the third. Let's see, that's another seven six two. Um. Yeah, that's more barrier penetration question. What's Let's he see. got? Oh, you want to hear it? Okay. Yeah, uh, John Adams III, does 762.39 have advantages when it comes to barrier penetration on automobile versus 5.56, especially out of shorter barrels? What caliber is the best truck gun? So yes and yes. Yeah. Um, 2.39 is like a rape tape when it comes to uh, barrier penetration, including vehicles. Um, the 5.56 does not reliably um, pass through a vehicle. It will penetrate, but as far as pass through, not necessarily reliable. Um, so if you need to do destruction to the interior contents of a vehicle um, reliably, the 76239 will do it from just about any and all angles, including the pillars. So there's a lot of talk about pillars and pillars retaining a certain amount of kinetic energy. <clears throat> um, you know, Will from from uh, Centrifuge Training has a whole bunch of data, <clears throat> but most of his. Excuse me a second. Get Sorry. you a little drink there. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. All right. So I was saying, uh, you know, Will from Centrifuge has got a tremendous amount of data, but most of his is related to nine mil five point five six, related to uh, police work and and pillars. Really great data. Um, really great training. But the seven six two thirty nine we'll just go through those pillars. It, it doesn't typically stop. So where, where the five, five, six loses energy and it starts to fragment and or change trajectory, the seven, six, two, 39 holds fairly true and, and keeps on going. So if you yep. do, if, if you're asking about stopping a vehicle and or barrier penetration, seven, six, two, 39, the other question was related to the barrel length. Um, so ballistically, and this is in short, again, I'm not looking to get in any arguments with those that are they're big ballistics people, but um, the 7.6239 is not as 
uh, as influenced by barrel length and velocity loss as 5.56 is. So the whole premise of 5.56 NATO is to create tumbling effect, and you really need 14.5 inches um, in order to build that velocity. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pete, I think it's 3,200 feet per second in order to have the right uh, influence of, uh, of that projectile on, on that object. When we start getting into the lower, getting to 2,900, 2,800s from lower, uh, shorter barrel lengths, um, it does not have that tumbling effect per se. So you start to ice pick through yeah. material and it's less, less effective. Yeah, exactly. Um, absolutely agree. Um, some of these short barrels, like seven inch barrels, 10 inch barrels and stuff like that, you start breaking under that 2,600 feet per second mark. And um, you see a huge decrease in uh, performance from a 5.56. Um, but like you said, it was spot on 762 by 39 there is um, a big difference. Um, 7.62 by 39s tend to do um, still a lot better in shorter barrels um, than, than the 5.56. But, uh, but yeah, um, people need to take that into consideration, uh, big consideration um, for, you know, bullet performance, especially out of these, you know, super popular, you know, shortest possible 5.56, you know, they can get, um, you know, they're, they're really choking that, choking that cartridge agreed good points the shaky taster in the early days of the pandemic i was living in the apartment above our distillery with my dog and sks at night i frequently wondered if we were looted by armed pill heads to steal our hand sanitizer and whiskey if it would be wise to get in a gun fight in a building filled with delicious flammable whiskey Housed comfortably inside of a flammable wooden barrels. <laughs> so, I don't think a bullet's going to ignite that, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> it typically would not, from from my understanding. However, why waste good whiskey? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That, that's really the important topic. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just for the mere fact that you put a hole in a whiskey cask and you're going to lose all that whiskey, it's not worth getting in a, a gunfight. It's it's never worth getting in a gunfight. Period. So and, let's let's keep. And it if at you've that. got dragon's breath in your <clears throat> shotgun, then you might worry about it. Yeah, Truth. There you go. Truth. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I want to know where this guy lives because I'm coming to visit him. <laughs> I was going to say, did yeah. Where is this? Where is this delicious whiskey you speak of? I want it. Absolutely. So one one thing I will add to that, just because even though the the humor aside, if he's talking about living above and potentially. Um, shooting downwards right so now we're introducing a whole nother uh thought towards angles and where projectiles go and the solid surface that's most likely um going to be hit rather than the soft surface of a wall if you hit a concrete floor or even if you hit a you know hardwood floor at an angle you're going to have deflection most likely and now you're worried about where that projectile is going and exiting so that's a whole nother aspect to this and uh, when we get together again we will talk about floors and uh, what happens when you shoot through floors or ceilings yeah because that's a whole nother animal it is yes let's see i think we covered this this is td north eight does five five six or five four five penetrate more feel free to elaborate on different grains thanks and we did touch on that
They're very, very similar. Um, 545 has had a little bit better performance against center blocks um, than 556, but that's very, very minor. And um, going with uh, Pete's data points earlier about the deviation and the uh, lack of stability in that cartridge, and again, thinking for personal defense and not knowing where that thing might go, um, that would that would give me a little bit of pause. And I'll I'll just take a slight deviation. So the you know, five four five guy is gonna gonna blow their heads off in just a second. But <laughs> I don't typically support five four five only from the standpoint that it's not strongly domestically produced. And I'm under the personal mind that, yeah, for preparedness value, that we concentrate mostly on ammunition that is more widely available. So it's yeah. a great cartridge. It's just not something you're going to find um, at your local box store. Typically, you're not going to find it at a local PD. Um, and your neighbor probably isn't going to have ammo to help you out with unless you're all, you know, hanging out shooting AKs together. So yeah. just it's just another a point to think about. Yeah, Good that's point. uh I I had actually just had it that very same conversation with a couple of friends of mine um that you know they need to start seeking, you know, more common calibers for yep. you know, and we were we were the conversation was end of the world type stuff and and you know, I need to know what I'm using. I mean, you know, that I'm going to be able to go find at my neighbor's house or, you know, really anywhere. Um gun and that even comes down to gun parts. Um, what are you most likely to find if you, you know, break this part? Um, same thing with ammo. So it's a good point. Yep. And you you did a good job talking about this. AK, AKM Archer slugs. Got to talk slugs. I do love how a drum full of them will take down a cinder block wall. But seriously, I'd like to hear some content on slugs versus buck. Double lock buck versus uh, number four, and you did that. And we could go down a rabbit hole with that. All right. That's a great question. Yeah, glad we were able to cover that for them. Um, and this gets into vehicles again. We've got several vehicle questions. A answer this to the extent you want to. Tandem dually, bullet deviation or uh, on vehicle windshields, how does the safety glass and angle of the windshield uh, affect trajectory? The, the short answer is yes, and a lot. Um, it can be a lot or a little, depends upon the, the actual round being fired, the velocity, the shape of the projectiles actually got more to do with it than anything else. And what's called the rake of the glass, that's the, the angle of approach that the projectile is, is collecting and or hitting first when it's contacting that glass. That's where most of the deviation starts and comes from. Um, as far as how much deviation, every different round matters. Um, bonded ammo tends to do better against laminated glass. So, um, you know, traditional tempered glass just shatters and falls, but laminated glass stays in place because it has that mylar in the middle of it for insulation value and for safety value. Um, the mylar itself will um, assist the projectile in its, in its usually downward trajectory um, being fired from interior of the vehicle outwards. We have seen anywhere from uh, two inch deviation to 12, 18, 30 inch deviation, all depending on the round being fired, the rake, the angle of the glass and um, the distance to the actual um, threat target. So that's a conversation into itself and literally any round. It you could fire. be a whole nother episode talking about the vehicle. Yeah, it really could. Yeah. It's a great question though. And um, do expect deviation. 
Um, So one thing that, uh, you know, actually one, there's a thousand things that Kyle left with me as far as teaching me stuff over the years. And this is an important one too. He had a saying that says P for plenty. So when it comes to glass, you fire or glass or any other solid object, you fire, you make a hole through it and you, and you stick your muzzle through that hole and you continue. And then now you're just shooting through air. So no big deal, but P for plenty, make a hole and keep on going. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you know, you're, yeah, it's, it's right. Uh, it just depends on so many things. I mean, if you're shooting in and out of a Corvette, you know, windshield or a Jeep or their, you know, their, their angle is almost, you know, right on. But, um, right. again, you know, we make the bullets that I designed. We, we, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we specialize in solid copper, uh, expanding projectiles. That's awesome. um, we do. Yeah, we do make, um, you know, leaded jacketed hollow points and stuff like that but our specialty what we're known is solid copper and we have found um that the solid copper projectiles do much better through windshield glass they have the least amount of deviation um at least my experience through the projectiles i make um you know i know there's other solid copper bullets out there that do very well um but uh but yeah i mean so projectile is really um that can make or break it so um, so yeah, this is another seven six two, but three nine. I think it's more of a statement than a question, um, and I think we've we've addressed it. Richard Nim, at what point does seven six two, but three nine become too much for personal defense? The caliber is my go-to. Shit hits the fan scenarios, but for everyday or home defense in a dense city, I tend tend to lean more towards a nine mil or five four five to prevent collateral damage from over penetration. So I think we've kind of discussed that. I mean, there's yeah. The only only caveat I'll add to that, Marty, um, is the nine mil, as we referred to earlier. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about the barrier penetration and the uh, continuing of the trajectory. The nine mil versus a five five six or five four five or anything like that. You have much more mass over energy going on with it, so it tends to bust through barriers better. So. When you think about the nine millimeter, it's still a 30 caliber size projectile with a fair amount of mass to it in comparison to that 5.56 five, um, or 5.45 for that matter. So, you know, think about that um, as you're looking at your potential for over penetration mm-hmm. in your urban. Yeah. And I want to get go back to some pistol rounds. Uh, we, I mean, I know we focus more on the the nine mil, but as they're getting into this this round over this round for penetration when the pistol rounds i know you did the 40 you did 45 um you you did some other rounds like that as far as you know i guess in a in the scenario that we're talking about least penetration which which one of those were you finding the the better results on the least amount of barrier penetration came from lower quality 45 acp rounds so when you get into your bonded ammo for 45 ACP, the, the value and or the amount of penetration retained from the mass is quite good. But when you're talking about the lesser quality, just standard um, uh, FMJ and or a less expensive hollow point, you're probably going to have uh, less barrier penetration um, simply because, again, you're talking about weight and velocity. The velocity on a 45 ACP is... Um, is already subsonic in most cases. Um, so yeah, that, that probably would be the slowest 
and the least to uh, penetrate stronger barriers, at least. Gotcha. Corey Brown says, I must, and I think you talked a little bit about copper here, um, Pete. So I must admit, I greatly, I'm greatly enjoying the solid copper barrier immune ammo on the market lately. But considering Hornaday and their critical defense load, what would you choose, them or a solid copper? Is this for me? Yeah, um, both of you, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, from my experience, uh, solid copper uh, expanding ammunition is should if you're wanting barrier penetration stuff, it's it's first choice. Um, I cannot think of any conventional cup and core lead jacketed bullet that will outperform a solid copper bullet um, in barrier penetration. Now, can I? You know, if, I, I don't know what you think of that, but I have not seen it yet. Um, typically, solid copper expanding bullets are king when it comes to barrier penetration. I totally agree. Um, we haven't experimented with a lot of it, but I have seen those types of rounds um, being used, um, again, both during my time doing bullets and vehicles courses back at Six Hour and um, seen some students bring them to our our data analysis classes, but have not done a wide variety and or a enough of them to really build a solid piece of data. But everything that uh, that I've seen matches what you're saying, Pete. Yeah. Armas yeah. Braves, A-R-M-A-S underscore Braves ask, or he's not asking. He says, Gary Hughes has been on an ammo independence kick for a while. I don't know who Gary Hughes is. Do y'all? Name sounds familiar. Encouraging guys to make all components. Got me wanting to reload more. Does Pete have any warnings or tips for those of us crazy enough to start making DIY components? And I do mean crazy loco. I will straight up cast my own 308 and coat it with spray on bed liner to bring it up to 310. Might even hammer in a tungsten carbide drill bit in there and go full send. Oh, man. Um, you know, I just, you know, caution, you know, safety. Um, you know, this is, uh, these are dangerous activities. Um, and I, I will caution, um, you know, caution safety. Wise. Well, like, um, yeah. Yeah. If you I don't just, know what um, you're doing. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I am a crazy son of a bitch. You know, we do stupid things here but um you know yeah i mean it comes with known risk so you know i'm uh you know very you know hold my beer i'll, I'll try this first type of person i just um when like you're that's what this dealing guy is. with yeah when you're dealing with explosions that are inches away from your face it's, it's a serious game and um you know if you come up on the losing part of that uh um you you could be main pretty bad so that's pretty funny. That was a good question. Yeah. That's funny. And uh, last question right here, and then Ken's got to go. We'll, we'll sign off. Um, this is more towards um, Pete here. This is Brentster. Brentster 1029. Defiant Munitions must answer this when your ammo has been a breath of fresh air into the market of uh, the, this kind of ammo you actually carry in your gun to stop a threat. Reliable is a understatement. Most versatile out there with the – uh, 
I don't know if he's saying best 300 subs in the game. Yeah, best is what he means. The expanding one, the long guns have blown me away the last year. The 180 grain 308 subs come on. Dead air makes those babes almost move silent. I have often wondered what your defensive ammo will do on miss targets in a standard home with two by four sheetrock, maybe uh, OBS, nothing special. I have a family of three, so I have concerns on overpenetration. Uh, home defense guns, usually your 200 grain, 300 blackout subs with a can or 762-39 landing subsonics on my Meridian Defense 11 inch. Love to see how your bullets would react to structure testings. Keep up the great, uh, keep up the great ammo, guys. So, sounds like you two are going to collaborate. You're going to send him some ammo. He's going to do some testing. Yeah, I would love to see yeah, the 300 cool. blackout also on some of your testing because that's absolutely one of my preferred rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as a matter of fact, I just it's been uh, what it a year and eight months since I've seen a 300 blackout case in my shop, and I just got some. Um, so I will, uh, I'll send you some, um, Sweet. anyways, um, man, that was very humbling to hear. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure who that is, um, who that guy is, um, Brentster but, uh, 1029. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it was very humbling to hear him, you know, with the kind words about my ammo. Um, so yeah, I mean, subsonic bullets, you know, definitely are not going to penetrate as much. Um, but those solid copper bullets are heavy penetrators, even at subsonic velocities. And, you know, so the way I designed, we kind of specialize in subsonic bullets. And the way I designed those subsonic bullets is to get increased penetration, um, you know, more so than because those bullets are already starting at a, uh, you know, at a such a slow at such a slow velocity. So I kind of designed, you know, those bullets to, to, uh, give increased penetration at subsonic velocity. So, um, you know, but I think, you know, what we should do is collaborate, you know, some testing, you know, get some ammunition to you. I would love to sponsor and help pay for, um, you know, the, all the stuff that needs to be put into it, you know, supplies and stuff. And, you know, I've always tried to, I mean, obviously we do our in-house testing and stuff like that, but anytime I can find somebody to do an unbiased outsource testing, I prefer that because it's like, Hey, listen, you know, I didn't pay him, you know, or anything like that. We helped with supplies and gelatin. It just adds to the legitimacy. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, we'll definitely make that happen between you guys. We'll, uh, we'll let you talk off. off, Much uh, appreciated, Pete. So thanks yeah, to, to everyone for the questions. Those were great questions. Uh, if we didn't get to yours uh, and you still want uh, some answers, just email me, talkinglet at gmail.com, and I'll forward it on to these guys and, and get you some answers if I can't help you. Um, but the winner, I think that last question was a really good question there. Uh, so the winner of the Seal One cleaning packet is going to go to the Brentster uh, 1029. So Brent. Stir. Awesome. Email me talking at gmail.com. Uh, give me your contact info and uh, we'll get you one of these awesome Seal One CLP cleaning packets for your pistol or your rifle. Specify which, which one you want it for. Uh, so that's it, guys. Great show. I know we could talk uh, days and days on this, but that's why we're going to have more episodes. And, yes, sir. Yeah, that's. 
that's such a great topic. We could go so far down the rabbit hole on all those topics. Yeah. We'd be here for two days. You know, there was a, so. there was another good question. FPS Murdoch was wanting wanted us to get into uh, was it concealment versus yeah, concealment. concealment versus cover? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll briefly hit it for him. He's he's a great supporter of all of us, and I, yeah. I always appreciate seeing him pop up on on IG. So, what is cover? Um, cover is something that stops projectiles, right? And what is concealment? Something you can't see through. Um, in most cases, in a home environment, office environment, box door environment, most of the materials that are in and around us are concealment. They're not cover. Um, we'll, we'll talk more on yeah. that and what might be cover, but, um, pretty much be said, like we've talked about, you can kind of surmise that most of the rounds that we've spoken to will travel through, if not all of those materials, most of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, somebody shooting at me, I would rather be behind a screen door than, you know, you know, being in front of that bullet. I mean, so any concealment is better, is better than no concealment. Um, you know, but obviously, uh, people need to realize what in that, and that's a very, you know, misunderstood thing. What it, what is concealment? What is cover? Yeah. That, that's a whole nother um, show can, that we can, we can get into and we will oh, do man, that. Sure. We will definitely do yeah, that. That would be all. I would, yeah, that'd be a good one. But big thanks to our guest, uh, Pete. Thank you for for taking the time to be on and, and joining us. I know we're going to have you back on uh, in future episodes, Ken. Yeah, man. As we discussed, we're going to go more into this, and of course, the AK Corner. You're always welcome on that show. Um, got one coming up next month, and then all our sponsors. Make sure you go Mission First Tactical, MissionFirstTactical.com, Seal One, and Seal One.com. Go to Factory 47 to get our AK Corner logo uh, uh, apparel. Medicine in Bad Places, we had them on. We've got a discount code set up with them now, Leadhead20. You get to get 20% off at Medicine in Bad Places. They just sent me a, a IFAC kit um, right here. So I'm going to check out their IFAC kit. Uh, pretty nice. He sent, me, he sent me some other cool stuff too. Good dude. Uh, IWI US Caltech. Use the code Leadhead. 10, uh, 15% off at Caltech. Defiant Munitions. We've got the code Leadhead all caps set up. And now that Pete's got his components, he's going to start cranking out that ammo so you guys can go get 10% oh, off at yeah, Defiant Munitions. Yeah, we got 76 39 on the shelf right now. And, all right. Um, so we got all kinds of good stuff. Very good. Very good. Send people your way, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's touch base, uh, you know, in text message or something, just so we have each other's numbers after this, and then um, I'll hook you guys up. Let me yeah, let me do the sign off, and then yeah. we'll hook you guys up Please here. Do. Do what, uh, yeah, that'd be great. So, Leadheads, go and support all those that make this show uh, possible, and thank our guests. Go to their IGs, go to their Facebooks, go to their websites, and uh, let them know you heard about them here on the show. And uh, that's how they come back and want to do more. They hear from you, Leadheads. Um, but until then, as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer. Perfect. And know that penetration of your bullet. Good deal. Oh, and thanks to Brian. Brian Keeney. Huge thanks to Occam, Brian, for sure. Yeah, he ducked out on us. Yeah, sucker. Yeah. <laughs>